Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Here we go, Barflies. Welcome to the Barfly Tailgate Show. You already know it's done by Barflies for Barflies and all the other Bears fans out there. Well, gentlemen, we've made it to draft week finally after a long offseason, uh, powering our way through. We we finally made it. So uh, I'm here with uh, uh, C-Dub and Jordan. Uh, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves for anyone who hasn't been here and maybe tuning in for the first time we'll start with my man c-dub across the pond how you doing this lovely morning brother i'm doing great mate good morning good morning america good morning to everybody in the chat and you guys it's uh it's great to come back man i just need a little bit of a break last week and uh but yeah i mean actually i'm actually sort of excited now about the draft i'm not a, a mock drafter like you guys i know ac probably been doing mock drafts since Sort of August last year, so uh, it looked like yeah. I'm at, I bet you did. I, I bet. I bet you what's happened, AC. One time, I bet your. I bet your wife's gone, AC. I'm feeling a bit amorous tonight. And you've gone. Sorry, I'm doing my mock draft today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I've actually got into a draft head. So yeah, it's great to be back, and uh, I look forward to the show and uh, and, and the, the information I'm going to learn. So yeah, it's great to be back, fellas. Yeah, we missed you last week, brother. It's good to have you back this week. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> to my left is my man, Jordan Silvera, bright and early out there in the West Coast. How you doing this morning, brother? Always good. AC, C-Dub, appreciate you being here. Yeah, 7.09 a.m., West Coast, Best Coast. Um, you got me up early, but excited to talk about the draft. We are finally here. Um, it's Christmas time for us NFL fans. It's Draftsmith's week, so uh, excited to get into it and talk prospects talk about opportunities for the chicago bears and uh, this is hope season i mean simply put that's why everybody loves the draft that's why everybody's excited is it doesn't really matter what fan or, or what team you're a fan of just that right now all the hope is in the world who is going to come to your team and change the luck of your franchise so um yeah really fun yeah it's hope season it's also lying season so i'm um, seeing a lot of uh rumors and uh, we talked before we got on the air about the testing numbers that came out this week cj stroud did not do well 
maybe he falls to our lap and we can trade back again, which would be a beautiful scenario, I think. Um, I mean, Heart I, Foundation. I and Go ahead, sorry, Chris. Sorry, it's off here. How, how much so does I say, I know we were talking about it before, but how, how much do you think that would actually cause, how far it would cause it uh, to go down the draft just due to uh, one thing? If it, you know, and, you know, and if, you know, instead of like all the rest of like the testing he's been doing all week, he's been really good. But do you reckon that surely that, that do you reckon that make him drop a couple of spots or? It re- it really depends on the GM and the owner and the way they how much they value that those tests. Um, also, the history of Ohio State quarterbacks may buy into that a little bit, depending on the owner and the GM. Um, as far as their biasness, I mean, we watched Justin Fields fall to striking distance with us when, in my opinion, he was the second best quarterback in that draft. So he should have went to the New York Jets, but they chose to go with Zach Wilson because he had an incredible pro day. Uh, so it really just all depends on on uh, <clears throat> how much they value that. Um, and, and I don't know if it's really taken off. Like we always hear about the Wonderlick test every year. Um, there's different drills that happen at the combine that hold more weight than others. Like, I don't know, depending on your position of 40, it doesn't really matter. You know, a defensive tackle or an offensive tackle's 40 doesn't always matter. Um, but I, I, it just really depends on how it all plays out. Um, kind of hopeful for it because I, I would like to see us get back up into the second round. And I think the, perfect scenario for that would be to drop back in the first and grab someone else's second rounder. Uh, but I, I don't know. We'll have to see how it all plays out, honestly. I did want to touch on the Hart Foundation's comment here that says the Titans might be trading Derrick Henry to the Dirty Birds. I did see this the other night. Maybe it was last night I saw that. Um, man, if Philly gets him, that would be that would be dangerous. I mean, <laughs> I was I mean, looking at Philly as a B. John Robinson spot, and if they trade for him, I don't – go ahead, Julian. Yeah, you see, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at too. Is When you think – I mean, I see Hart, Hart Foundation's question here about, like, how would Derrick Henry going uh, go to the Eagles affect what we do? I don't know necessarily know Hart if it affects what the Bears are doing, but, again, we're just talking about where two teams are in their process. And right now the Bears are in a very different spot than the Eagles. The Eagles are looking to put the icing on the cake. They are in a luxury position where what do you really need if you're the Eagles? You just let Miles Sanders walk to Carolina, so you do need a running back. Mm-hmm. Offensive line is built. Receiving core is built. Just paid your quarterback, made him the richest man in the NFL. Defense is pretty solid. Fletcher Cox is back. Brandon Graham's back. So um, outside of safety, and running back, you really don't have many needs, and this would allow them to snag the best safety on the board with that second first-round pick that they have, or even their first if they wanted to take. I really don't think they'd take a guy that high. Uh, but what this does do is this allows them to double dip. I agree yeah. with Casey. I thought that Bijan was probably in the picture for them if he found a way to slide to that second pick. I don't. I've always had a little bit of a hesitation with it. I don't necessarily think that. Uh, the track record shows Howie Roseman tends to follow positional value. He's never drafted a running back all that high. The high one of the higher ones was Miles Sanders. So I don't even know if Bijan was totally in the cards, but if you're telling me you can get Derrick Henry, who 
you know, frankly, still probably has some left in the tank. The Titans are sitting there trying to clearly reset. Uh, yeah. I think it, it would, I have to be honest, as an NFL fan, it would be kind of hard for me to watch just because I think that Derrick Henry is a, a legend of the of this era of football, and he's synonymous with the Tennessee Titans. And I mean, just in general, it's kind of it bums me out to see the Tennessee Titans just kind of ripping away the pieces where you're shipping off AJ Brown. And now, if you let go of Derrick Henry and Taylor Lewan is going, but I also understand that's kind of par for the course. When you bring in a new GM, Khalil Mack gets shipped off, and right. Team Hicks goes, and so. It's uh, it wouldn't be the biggest shock, but uh, it makes sense. It allows the Eagles. So to just quickly wrap up on Hart's question, if they were to get Derrick Henry for, I don't know, let's just say anything that we're just talking the first round here, they keep their first round picks. That allows you at 10 to pick a backup or a heir apparent for Lane Johnson. You can still grab one of the better tackles because you're probably not going to be picking in the top 10 in any future years with how good your team is. So take that chance, draft the best, one of the best tackles on the board at 10, and then you can come back with your second first round pick and hit that safety now that you have Derrick Henry, as opposed to trying to spend it on Jameer Gibbs or, you know, Bijan Robinson. So that's how I think it affects the Eagles. Yeah, that that would be interesting to see um, for the Eagles there if they were able to keep both their first round picks and get Derrick Henry. Uh, Brian Branch was a name that early in draft season he was slotted at like the New York Jets at 13. So, and lately he's kind of been dropping and people have been in mock drafts. They've been grabbing him in the second round. Maybe he's a guy that they'll have their eye on at 31 and I don't know. But, uh, yeah, uh, right tackle at 10 or even, even they could package those two picks and try to move up and get a Jordan Dave, uh or not Jordan Davis, Jalen um, Carter. Um, because they got a lot of Georgia Bulldogs on that defense. Uh, I feel like if you're going to bring him in and get him acclimated to the NFL, if he's around people he knows or he played with before, that would be helpful with his uh, with his ability to get in the NFL shape and 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 know what's asked of him. But. Uh, <clears throat> We got a we got a late bloomer here, uh, late riser. Uh, looks like he's going into the matrix, but I'll go ahead and bring him in into our matrix. My man KB. Good morning, brother. What's up? What's going on, fellas? Hey, man. You know my boy. My boy Aldo said he missed the. You know what I'm saying the matrix glasses. So we got to get people what the motherfucking want, man. Get 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 the motherfucking Morpheus glasses out. Bust them out this morning. You know, trying to do the damn thing this morning. You feel me, man? We uh. Was up a little bit too late watching the fight. You feel me? Uh, celebrating a little bit too much, drinking a little too much. You know how it is, man. Yeah, you know. So your boy had to had to get around this morning. <laughs> how we doing, fellas? What's going on with you? We're doing pretty good, good man. What did my boy see up in the building? What's, 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 Chris? What's going on, man? Can't be a pop too long. If I pop too long, I start feeling like life is weird if I don't see a bit of the boy. Hey, so, man. You know uh, well, yes, you're, you're looking good, KB. Man, look like being on a bit of a mission last night. <laughs> hey, man. You know, and they got my boy Jordan on here, man. I know it's early as hell for you, man. Good, good, always, good to see you, brother. Always, good to see you, brother. Yeah, man. So what? I, I, I hear we talking about. It sounds like the Derrick Henry nonsense that's going on, man. I, I ain't believe it shit until I see it. You feel me? <laughs> I, I'm not. I don't know why. They would, they would, the Titans would even try to do this, man. You giving this, you giving this superhero to the Justice League, goddammit. 
They don't need him. <laughs> Come on, bro. They don't need Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will say, I don't, I don't know how much sense it makes. And I, I mean, I, again, to KB's point, we gotta, we gotta see who the source is because it, that was reported a couple of days ago. There's been no movement, and even when it was reported, I don't think it was reported from anybody truly reputable. But uh, it's, it's one of those things where, again, even on the Titans side, I, I understand the journey of Rand Carthon saying, let me sell off whatever I can because this is my new team and I want to build it the way I want to build it. But if you're Mike Vrabel, and we all know Mike Vrabel on the outside is a fiery competitor, I cannot. I just can't seem to fathom a world where they're already going to have a hard season. They need a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. I cannot. How are you going to ride through a, an ugly season without Derrick Henry? Because at, at least if you have Derrick Henry, and you don't have a quarterback, you can just hand it to Derrick Henry, let him rack up another 1,500 yards. That gets you through a year. I cannot imagine Mike Vrabel trying to go through an ugly season full of losses, and they're handing it off to Hassan Haskins and some other guy in the backfield with no real quarterback, no real line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get I get you're doing the Caleb Williams tank, but I just don't know how much I can see Mike Vrabel buying into that. Yeah, Mike Vrabel wasn't too happy when they traded away A.J. Brown either. No. So uh, that's uh, <laughs> if they start selling off his pieces, he's going he's gonna to let it be known he's not happy about it. Um, he's a hell of a coach, though, I think. Absolutely. So uh, I guess we should get on track here and talk a little Bears. Uh, the Bears, as everyone knows, has the ninth overall pick. Um in four short days, we're going to find out how everything above them plays out and uh, who who they end up with on night one of the NFL draft. Um, I, as I said when we came in, I'm kind of hoping a quarterback falls to our area so that we can trade back or maybe someone will come up for one of these offensive tackles or Jalen Carter situation. We'd have to see how that all plays out. Um, I, it's just a lot of things that can happen. And that's why, that's why the draft is so exciting because everyone has their own board and their own way of going about it. And it's just like, like Jordan said, it's like Christmas morning. You you don't know what's under the tree. Um, and maybe you open it up and it's an Xbox. Maybe you open it up and it's a pair of socks. So we'll, uh, (laughs) yeah you gotta figure it out from there um well if you're a bears fan it's been socks for many years but hopefully (laughs) socks with holes in the heels man (laughs) not even socks but we getting draws with the with the holes all through them bro that's all we getting boy (laughs) you can't even say good socks shit (laughs) Um, i'm gonna say that's like the worst trick you could do to the kid good at like buy an Xbox box and just put some socks in it and give it, give it, give the kid the present. Well, that's that's what see though, that's what the crew that bears have been doing since they got uh, I mean, god, how, how long do we want to go? Shay McClellan, Gabe Karimi, Chris Williams, uh, I mean, like Kevin White, the list goes on and on. And so, um, but the good news is all of that seemed to have changed when one day they opened mm-hmm. up a, a Ferrari named Fields under the tree. So um, hopefully, and now it seems like we got a little bit of a DJ Moore type type present going on, and we're gonna see what happens with um, numerous picks in the top fifty. Well, I guess not in the top fifty, in the top sixty-five. But I guess maybe I'm dropping a little hint of what I want to see. Maybe they'll, <laughs> they'll find a way to get up into the top fifty as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was really nice to open up Justin Fields and 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 get him under the tree and 
and DJ Moore brought him in this year, which is really nice. Um, I, I do worry, though, we still have a big hole at right tackle. Um, Darnell Wright is gaining a lot of steam with Bears fans. Uh, I, I think we should open up, talk about offensive linemen. Um, sure. I, I know, Jordan, you're a big fan of Skaronsky. The more I've seen of him, I'm seeing him as a guard, and I really don't think that's a need for us. Um, I like Paris Johnson Jr. an awful lot, but they do say he's a left tackle, and I do like Braxton Jones as well. So I, uh, I don't know. If Darnell Wright's the guy, I feel like it's a trade-back option. I don't want to pick him at nine. I know some Bears fans are head over heels in love with him and think that he should be the top ten pick. I'm just – I don't buy that. Um, are you guys on board with that or uh, let's talk Darnell Wright first. I feel like he's, he's a guy I could see us dropping back to the Steelers pick at 17. If we could pick up 32 again, that'd be great. And that's who I would, I'd be perfectly fine with him there. But at nine, I just feel like that's a little too rich. What do you guys think? So my thing is this, you feel me? The Pittsburgh Steelers trade to me would be probably the most ideal trade back that you can get, right? You get 17, you talk them into giving you 32 back. Don't ask the shit else. Just get just get the 32nd pick. If there's a way you can swing that and 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 Darnell Wright is there, then good. You got your right tackle. Boom, bang. First round so. Uh I'm all in, I'm all on. On the on the on the bandwagon for Darnell Wright, I, I get it. You need a right tackle. Uh, you have to hope that with the move of Nate Davis, and hopefully keeping Tevin Jenkins healthy for a whole year, and you have to imagine you're going to get a little bit better at center with whoever the hell wins that job between Patrick and Whitehair. I I have said this before. the The interior of the O line needs to be stronger because that's where the pocket forms. Your quarterback needs to step into the pocket to deliver passes. What we couldn't do last year was step into the pocket because White here was either getting his ass beat, whoever the hell name wasn't, Kevin Jenkins was getting his ass beat, and then you have the mess that we call Mustafa at center. So that makes your tackles look bad because your quarterback is dropping back, and then you have edge rushers coming, just just pushing fucking tackles into your, your damn quarterback when realistically – he should be able to move forward and then he can cut out the pocket if he needs to. So I'm praying, you know, this is this is praying that the moves that were made mean better inside line play. That being said, I am all on board with getting Darnell to get getting Darnell right. That's that's a very good consolation prize. However you want to put it, I don't fucking care. He's gonna be a stalwart of right tackle. You're gonna have your two bookend tackles. Yeah, I think uh, my it's interesting because to me, Darnell Wright, I agree with you, AC, I agree with you, KB, and I'm sure that CW is going to have kind of come in the same, like you don't want to overdraft. But to me, we talked about, you know, getting the draws with the holes in them or socks with the holes in them. And frankly, I don't, I'm just kind of come to this point where as long as you get the right guy, I don't really care if it's at nine, if it's at 17, if it's at 25. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I Nobody, like, I'll give you a perfect example. Alex Leatherwood with the Raiders was typically seen as a second to third round guard and the Raiders picked him at like 16 or 17 or whatever. And that was rich and it didn't pay off. But if he was there starting right tackle or right guard right now, and that offensive line was a little bit more short up, 
you wouldn't really hear much about it. People would be okay with him being selected at 16. Just as if Cleveland Farrell was a solid contributing starting defensive end for the Raiders, wouldn't have been a problem. So I get it, and this is part of the, the danger of it. The reason that it's likely Farrell and Leatherwood didn't work out is because they were overdrafted and they weren't quite the players that they thought they were getting that high. But if we're, you know, quibbling about Darnell Wright at number nine or, you know, can we tr please try to trade back to 17 and get him? I'm all for it. But I understand, too, that it takes two to tango. And mm -hmm. I, it, it, frankly, I don't think you're going to see a trade until you know how those first six, seven, maybe eight picks go. And it's not that a tackle is not worth moving up for. Uh, but I also, and again, this is just a personal perspective from my evaluation. I don't personally think I've seen a tackle in this year's class that's just the next Trent Williams, the next Lane Johnson, the next, it's, there's just not that guy. Um, and so to me, I mean, sure, there's, and I'll show you this, there's the potential of that guy. Everybody loves Paris Johnson. I think Paris Johnson has all the tools in the world but I think he's still much of a work in progress. Broderick Jones, I think, from Georgia is a guy that probably fits Ryan Poles and what the Bears are looking for a little more. Uh, but he's raw. He's only got about a year of starting experience at Georgia, but he's a bully. Yeah. Um, he's got tools. But, you know, Darnell Wright, Darnell Wright's tape in 21 was not nearly as solid, and that was at uh, left tackle. Left. Yeah. And he comes to right tackle and he looks like a star. And yes, everybody wants to put on the Will Anderson tape where he was, you know, whooping up Will Anderson and he held his own against BJ Ojolari. And so I understand that there's good tape there. But again, some of that is consistency. Um, and now, you know, we're talking about projecting a little bit. He was a heavier player on all that tape that you're watching where he looked fantastic. He was a heavier player. And all of the things that you're now trying to parse together is he's losing weight and his athletic testing was better than it seemed because he's dropped some weight. I presume with that weight dropped, he'd be just as good at right tackle. But again, we don't know that until he puts on the pads and he's going up against NFL defensive linemen. And is he better at that lower weight or does he actually function best at a weight that's higher that maybe doesn't quite fit the zone scheme? So to me, you've got a lot of questions here with the offensive tackles that, again, if we can trade back, I'm with it. But who's to say that I can guarantee somebody's going to move up for that? Really, the only two yeah. positions that would make sense is I can see a team moving up for a corner or for a lineman because, frankly, I don't think that the quarterbacks, all three, are going to be there at that point. Yeah. Yeah, Cornelius says, draft Darnell right and don't worry about the right tackle spot for 10 years. Um, I just – honestly, and we talked about the Christmas gifts that were socks with holes in them. Gabe Karimi was a big name that you brought up there, Jordan. Going into that draft, I loved Gabe Karimi. Chris Williams. Yep. Uh, Chris Williams, I, I don't know. That, that was he played <laughs> for Bandy, so I'm biased, but um uh, but but with Gabe Karimi, I was like, well, he's a Wisconsin tackle. Those guys don't miss. They know how to build him up there. He's a he's a home run hit, and then we swung and missed. So that worries me with taking a tackle in the top 10, especially like you said, Jordan, uh, you're not the only one I've heard say this. There's, there's no can't miss tackle prospect mm -hmm. in this draft. There's questions about all of them with, with Paris Johnson. There's questions about how he can handle the bull rush, which we saw last year with Braxton Jones. So 
I mean, shit, maybe, maybe Ryan Polder and Ian Cunningham like those type of tackles. I kid, <laughs> but like, if, if we're if you if you want another Braxton, you want a guy that that gives up anchor really quick. Um, that's that's Paris Johnson. I'm with it. Like, we can we can do that. And I mean, I I, I got to let C Dub talk here because I know he's been patiently waiting. But um, I put out a mock uh, yesterday, uh, my full first round mock, and I had the it's, again. This is not what I want for the Bears, but I had the Bears taking Paris Johnson because I, whether I'm I'm being facetious or not, they have a type. They like that light in the pants offensive tackle that can get out on the move and maybe they get their their shit kicked in a little bit um, in the anchor, but they're also they also don't mind that if the tackle can recover. And I will give for everything I may have negative to say about Paris Johnson today, the one thing he has in spades is he gives up that anchor real quick, but seldom does he get beat. He finds a way to recover and get back get it back under him, and that's valuable too. Um, it's one thing I again I'd prefer you never get beat, but this is the NFL where. Not every play works out beautifully. You are going to get beat, and it's about how do you respond to that adversity. And I'll give all the credit in the world to Paris Johnson. Every time, for the most part, you see him get beat, he finds a way to recover, unless it's Lucas Van Ness just putting him on skates to the, to the quarterback. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Well, I don't know when you put it out, but I did see one of your mock drafts where you had us taking. Uh, I guess we should talk O-line, and then we'll get into some D-line talk. But, uh, Chris, I know you don't watch a ton of college football, but – I know you listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm sure you've do, tuned in to Draft on Tap and stuff. Is there an offensive lineman that you're enamored with that, that we haven't maybe haven't spoke about a lot that, that you think I, take a chance on this I guy? Actually, I actually written down three because actually, actually I thought I better do some homework. And you've already spoken about the three. I mean, Sronsky, he sort of intrigues me, but I know, you know after listening to Greg Gabriel, you know, about the guy's arms and he's worried about the arm length, but I think he'd be quite a versatile uh, player. But I've always, what I've also wanted to ask you boys is what, what do you reckon we should do in um, with the centre position? Because we're talking about we got, the centre position's been dreadful for quite a few years now. So would you guys try and draft a centre, or would you try and get one like a, a free agent or, or whatever? Well, if I can take this real quick, because I mean, that to me, I'm, I have to, Chris is hitting home and hitting my heartstrings here because it, I just talked about how Broderick wasn't quite that guy and Paris isn't quite that guy. And AC, for what it's worth, I'm with you. I think that I'd prefer Skaronsky at guard at inside because I think that it's easier to project what it looks like um, inside for a, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, Zach Martin, Joel Batonio. Um, David DeCastro. I mean, you can see those type of builds and see how quality you can get with Skaronsky, and I'm with it. But I also think, and, and this is my only qualm with it, is I think he's earned the right to play tackle and then let him fail inside. And mm -hmm. to me, if there was one offensive lineman that you want to take at nine, I'll, I'll sleep easy. And I've said this for months. Like, if it's Skaronsky, that's the pick. And this is this is the reason for that is, I mean, just try to put yourself in the in the shoes of Ryan Poles. Drafting is hard. It's a crapshoot. And if you can take a player, you're never going to take a player and be able to just totally be risk-free. But if you can take a player, and you almost can sleep easy that night because he's one of the blue chippers in the class. He truly has five-position versatility. He played left tackle in college. And, and let me dig on him a little bit because for those that have concerns about arm length, and I know that – You'll hear Duke Manyweather, who, you know, he's he's a client of uh, Duke Manyweather's. And so 
I understand you'll see very respected individuals say he showed himself to play against Big Ten competition at tackle and he can do it. I'm with it. Give him that chance. But there's also clear instances on tape where people get into his chest because the arms don't match up. And that's enough for me to say, absolutely, get him inside the guard. But I still think the Bears makes perfect sense. He can play right tackle. And I don't mean to be a pessimist, but I'll believe it. And you'll, you, you'll, I guarantee you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger Tevin fan than me. But Tevin's not proved to me to be healthy one year yet. So I'm putting Skaronsky at right tackle. And then when Tevin inevitably gets hurt, then that's your opportunity to slide right back into left guard. And then we can go find out who that right tackle is. Maybe you've groomed up a rookie. Maybe you've got a street free agent. Maybe Alex Leatherwood's back in the picture, ready to play some right tackle. Uh, because Tevin is now hurt, and it just makes more sense. Let's get Skaronsky into his natural position. And just Chris's point, and this is the last one I'll bring, is people don't really know this, but Skaronsky came out of high school as a center, came to Northwestern as a center, mm-hmm. and had to jump to left tackle because Rashawn Slater decided to sit out for the COVID year. Right. And then just started as a freshman at left tackle and never surrendered it because that's how quality and good of a player he is. So you're talking, Chris, about like what are we going to do at center? If Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick fall back, well, guess what? This is why Skaronsky makes sense at nine. Hmm. I cannot go wrong. Tevin gets hurt. Yeah, he'll play left guard. He's already got left foot versatility. Oh, well, you know, can he snap? Yeah, yeah. He he's snaps as a center in high school. And he, I mean, you've got Coach Fitz from Northwestern said multiple times, he can play all five. We had no problem with that. I mean, he practices it all five. Like, this is a situation where if I take this guy at nine, I sleep easy because nothing, there's no wrong answer. Quality player, blue chip talent. Sure, maybe the arms aren't quite there, but he's a star at guard. What is he at center? Like it's, this is to me the one that makes sense. Other than that, if it's offensive line, unless you're trading back, I think anything else is too rich and I'm going defensive line, which we'll get to, but that was the little Van Estes. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I didn't know that he played center in high school. Um, my son's learning how to snap this year, and that's basically what I told him. I said, if you can snap and get it back there and then the ball's not hitting the ground, you got a job for a lot of years, you know. Uh, but that's that's definitely interesting that he has. You hear about position versatility. A lot of times people are talking guard to tackle or, or guard to center. Uh, but the fact that he can play all five, that's uh, – that definitely makes it a little more enticing for me. I was kind of out on Skaronsky as a lot of Bears fans were, I believe. But the way you just broke it down, man, that's uh, it sounds really great. You know, can play all five positions, um, no off the field issues. You know, shows up, gets the job done. Played left tackle at a at a Big Ten level. Uh, I, I mean, that's it. Sounds like he's checking an awful lot of boxes, and he has. I'm not sure what his numbers were, but he has the athleticism to play in this type of offense, Jordan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a a great feat. And I mean, this is the thing too, that nobody talks about. I just gave you the real negative on the tape. The negative is that those arms do show up and people get into his chest, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing that nobody talks about. He's had to live with it his entire life. This is not new. It's not like people are just getting into his chest. All of a sudden, this is his first year playing the long arm defenders. I mean, this has been happening for years. And you learn to adapt or die. And in this case, he's learned to adapt and play against these defenders that have these long arms. And sure, 
Every once in a while, there's a bad set. Lucas Van Ness has a famous clip of, of last year putting him on his ass. And that was an example of like, that can't happen. That's why we need to move you maybe inside. But all the other teach, it's all the other reps are like teach tape. I mean, I'll, I'll go in a little separate way. Like there was a question that came up, like who out of all the offensive linemen, who was the most fun to watch? And a lot of people said Skaronsky. And I actually said Dewan Jones because Dewan Jones is like that, that the whole meme of like, want to see a dead body. That's his tape um, on every rep. And I love that. But Skaronsky is just teach tape. Like if I'm like, hey, how do you, how to, how to play offensive linemen? What I want. I'm putting up Skaronsky tape because he's had to adapt those short arms. So you'll see him. He's cupping at the flexion point on the elbow to make sure that guess what? You can't extend when I have you on the, on the elbow here. And I'm just using a Hamilton technique to force your arm up. Like it's all there. I mean, he was playing against one of the freakiest uh, edge tech edges in the class and Zach Harrison, who looks like a lab creation. He's six, five, two seventy. I think it's like 34, 35 inch arms. And he's just owning Zach Harrison left and right. Now, Zach Harrison isn't the most refined, mm. but this is happening week in and week out for the most part. Um, so to me, and this is nobody talks about this either. The Bears, and you've heard Getsy talk about it, guard is the most important position on this offensive line. And so you mean to tell me you're gonna get a Zach Martin or somebody at guard to play with your newly signed Nate Davis? And I love Tevin Jenkins, I do, but we, we about to explode down here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna get you, but it's just like knows why because I just said it. You're talking about it like I love Tevin, I do. I it just doesn't feel right, guys. And I hate to say it because like, I've never liked that. I was upset last year when they were talking about trading them. It just never quite seems like they're on the same page. Mm. And those guards are important. And you just saw him pull a fifth-round starter last year at tackle. So, again, let him play right tackle. He's earned the right. But it just makes sense to me. And if he's solid at tackle, great. Leave him there. But what's the worst? Oh, man, Skaronsky's not quite great at tackle. Let's put him to guard. Oh, where he's going to be an ass kicker? Great. I'd gladly take at tackle. He's Brian Bulaga. And I know that's not a popular name because he's a Packer, but he's Brian Bulaga, he's a solid, solid, solid starter at guard. He's I like AVT, Elijah Vera Tucker, who, by the way, was supposed to be only a guard and had to play some spot duty at tackle last year and was just fine. Um, and then Zach Martin, who's had to do it. Joe Thune. That's uh, the name Joe I've heard Thune. a lot is Thune. Yeah, so I mean, uh, let me get the KB and Christina on it, but that to okay. me, I'm Skaronsky, I'll, I'll wax poetically about him for, for an hour. Look, uh, it, it, like I said, bro, it, it's what I, I came on and I said the inside of your own line to me is the most important fucking spot because you need to form a pocket. I can deal with a tackle riding a fucking edge. All the way around the world, as long as your quarterback can step up. I'm sorry, your, your your tackles look like rock stars if you got them, your two guards and your center won't move. They look like rock stars because your quarterback can maneuver the pocket. Mm-hmm. That's all I said, bro. And I I and I remember Jordan saying this shit a while back. We had this we had this conversation. If you dress Scarancy, I wouldn't even I wouldn't legit just throw Scarancy at left guard, bro. Kick fucking Tevin Jenkins out the right tackle. Let's stop playing this game like the man doesn't have the talent to play it. Give him the shot. If he fails, then he fucking fails. You drop the right tackle down the line. You can get Bergeron in the third or fourth round. 
Dra- you, draft somebody right now. Um, draft the Skoransky. You put Skoransky at left guard. You kick Tevin Jenkins out the right tackle. Presumably, he won't get that fucking hurt playing tackle because he's not inside. He's not banging with these dudes. You don't have to worry about your running back running to the back of his leg or him being stepped on because he's on the outside. Moving him to the right tackle might keep the man from being fucking hurt. You mean it's worth giving him more than a half in a preseason game? Oh, you know, you know maybe three, maybe three quarters. You feel me? Maybe three. But well, I, you know, but first we got to talk about it. he's got to have good Wednesdays, guys. <laughs> Wednesdays have got to be better. It's, it's 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 crazy to me because, like you said, we we probably have a right tackle on the team, and his name is Tevin Jenkins. We've said this shit since the dude was drafted. He's probably a really yeah. really good tackle if you give him the chance. And for whatever reason, nobody's giving the dude a fucking chance to play tackle. But did he play? Did he play right tackle at college as well? That that was what he was playing in his last year. Yes. Tevin Jenkins was playing what left tackle his last year? And you know, like this is the whole Dewan Jones. Like Dewan Jones was murdering people. Tevin was murdering people at right tackle in college. Yeah. He's still young enough to sit there and make this move now. If you draft Peter Skronsky at nine, like I said, you'll have Bears friends crying, blah, 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 whatever the fuck ever, Doc. You put Skronsky at left guard. You got whoever the fuck you got playing center. Nate Davis right guard. Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis on the same side, I wouldn't want no parts of, period. Mm-hmm. Because you got one angry person pushing you into another angry person, and that angry person possibly pushing you back into another angry person. That's just a really bad day for somebody. I mean, can you imagine duo with Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis? Like... And and it would be the equivalent of uh, uh, of Javante Davis walking out with Chief Keith. You already know what the problem is. He just told you he's walking out to Chief Keith. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. I I don't push back a little because I totally understand that we found success with Tevin. It's already at guard, so I can even see like why move him. And that's what I'm saying. I get to butter both sides of the bread. Like Skaronsky, you've earned the right to play some tackle. You showed it in the Big Ten. Let's put you over to the right side. Nobody has to have a conversation about it. if it doesn't go well, I'll move you inside. It's just kind of an understanding. And we're not moving Tevin again. Tevin, if you stay healthy, wonderful. That's a good problem to have. But if you don't, then I've already got the immediate backup plan. And if you do, then great. He stays at right tackle, or we all of a sudden start talking about maybe maybe this is our answer at center is Skaronsky. Or, you know, Tevin stays healthy, but we just don't quite see eye to eye on him, Poles and Tevin. So Look, he's had in the last year of his rookie deal. Maybe he's had another good year guard. We can ship him out for something. Again, I want nothing of this. I was happier about the Tevin pick than the Fields one at the time, as crazy as that sounds. But to me, again, I, as much as I'd love to just shoo it away like it's not a problem, it seemed very tenuous between the relationship between Poles and Jenkins. And maybe that's better now, but I still don't necessarily – Like, I, let me put it this way. I don't know how Ryan Poles feels about Tevin Jenkins linking – some guy to say he's playing left guard on Twitter. And I even thought, you know, in some ways, maybe that was Tevin trolling because the guy that had said it didn't have any legitimate source. It wasn't Rappaport. It wasn't, you know, a coach. It wasn't Johns or Hogue with the inside scoop. So maybe it was Tevin just trolling around. But regardless, you know, and I love Tevin's meme game and everything that he's doing, but I don't know how Ryan Poles feels about that. Um, That could continue to, to kind of stress this relationship. And, I, 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 like I said, I believe it when I see it, and I don't, I take no pride or joy in it, but I think that um, we've seen a lot of things leading to the idea that Tevin may not be long for the Chicago Bears. Um, and so it makes, again, part of that too is how can I parse it together? You're telling me I can get one of the safest players in the draft and I right. can sleep easy on night one because 
I know I didn't mess up the most important one. Like, how valuable is that? To me, that's pretty valuable. Yeah, That's pretty nice to say. I got the guy that everybody loved. There was always, like, you could find a spot for him. It was good tape. He's, I mean, I, I'll take the one, the, this last little bit. One of my favorite parts about Skaronsky is I just very seldom as a Bears fan do you get to stick it back to the Packers. And yeah. in this kid's situation, like, you know who they have on the Packers uh, squad? <clears throat> they have uh, fucking Buckus as their offensive line coach. They got Buckus's nephew or whatever. Like, it's a it's a little play. It's not a big deal, but there's a little bit of like that's our that's our name. That's our guy yeah. you got over there. And you know what? I, I take some pride to go. Oh, oh, Grandpa Skaronsky was like one of the best left tackles for the Green He's Bay. In the Packers. Ring of Honor. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and take Skaronsky and bring him over to the dark side with the Bears. Like that's that's that, I take some pride in that. that. That's what I would like to see. So again, I, I see people in the chat talking about like Van Ness, and and again, I wouldn't have a problem with that either, but. Uh, to me, if we're talking just offensive line, Skaronsky's the guy at nine if he's there. Um, and frankly, I, I think he'd be there, but it wouldn't surprise me if you see somebody, the Raiders or somebody else, just go, look, we don't pass on good talent. And I mean, that yeah. was the thing too, AC, is that, you know, we're talking about, well, maybe it's Paris or it's Darnell. And, you know, I don't want to draft a guard at number nine. At what point are we now drafting for need? Like yeah. best player available or need? And I do well, want those to match up, but you know, oh, you're okay. That dog's barking, no big deal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So KB, see, I'm sorry, I know I, I go on rants, but to me, I love Scrum. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't know if the dog liked you. You're talking about the Packers, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we talked a little Paris, uh, who. I'm in love with. I love Paris. He's my favorite offensive tackle in this class. I would love to have him. We talked a little Darnell Wright. We talked a whole lot of Skaronsky. Uh, thank you for that breakdown, Jordan. Uh, we have not touched on Broderick Jones yet, who seems like he played in the SEC, top-level talent, uh, national champion. The only question about him is experience, in my opinion. Now, I haven't watched the tape. But uh, I, I feel like we'd be remiss if we moved on from offensive line without talking about all of the options there. Um, I, I The only Georgia I watched was, I mean, of course, the national championship and those. I, I caught them some, but usually I was at Kentucky games. So uh, I, I did see him play here in Lexington. But when I went to Lexington, honestly – I was a big Jalen Carter fan, and I was like, I'm going to see what Jalen Carter does against our offensive line. Well, he did absolutely nothing, but uh, I didn't watch a ton of Broderick Jones. I think they put up two touchdowns. Uh, it wasn't a crazy wasn't blowout a like fan. I thought it was going to be. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, Jordan, I'll start with you. Uh, Broderick Jones, what does he bring to the table? He's very young. Um, you want to talk about like those because you know we talk about Trent Williams or Lane Johnson and a lot of those really star tackles they all have one thing in common which is that they're kind of you know like I, I, let me be very clear defensive ends defensive linemen are the apex athletes in the league but when you talk about the really rare offensive linemen they're not all this way but genuinely the the true stud tackles they all have a baseline of they're kind of the apex athletes in their own right um, and I would say if you're talking about one of those guys in this class at the top, I do think Broderick Jones is that guy as far as just pure, like, 
the body. I mean, God, you see him playing basketball, and I'm like, how are you moving like that at 300? Like, he's just a freak, and he's got a nasty demeanor too, and that's the benefit. Like, if it's, hey, Skronsky, we don't draft guards at nine, and we need his own guy, and so Dewan's out of the question, but we have to take a tackle. To me, I'd be hoping and praying that it was Broderick Jones, and the reason for that is, as we said, he's young. He's athletic. He's got that apex athlete build where he can do, you know, he's him on the move is beautiful. And Paris is too, for what it's worth. But it's not like Broderick can't be on the move. And I think he does a quality job kind of lining up the target and making contact for the most part. His big th- issue is that he needs general refinement. And it comes from a lack of experience. Mm-hmm. What does it look like as he gets more starts under the belt, starts getting proper coaching? But from a physical standpoint, he just mauls dudes. And it's it's a different way. Like, DeWand is mauling people because he's just physically an outlier in every respect of the word. But Broderick, when he latches on, he's taking you for a ride. He's trying to dig your face mask in the dirt, rub your nose in it. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's that type of guy. And that's what I like about it. Um, and his anchor is not bad. Like, this is the thing. is So whether it's Paris with the typewriter feet where he ends up kind of getting pushed back as those feet are chomping or what the case may be, there's so much tape of Broderick just as like a stone. Like, he just puts those hands on you and you're just not going anywhere. And now that I got you latched, you're not really getting loose and this rep is over. And then now that I'm latched, how can I drive you into the dirt and remind you that I own you? Like, this is not an easy day for you. <laughs> This is going to be bad. And that to me is the excitement about Broderick Jones. But there's, again, as we're talking about, like there's no stud tackle. I've got to build that up. I've got to refine him. And that's not, a, this is not some like, because there's no stud tackle, don't take any before 10, before 15. But you do have to understand what you're getting into. And at the end of the day, specific to the Bears, is Chris Morgan that guy? Is he going to be the guy capable of unlocking a Broderick Jones and making sure that he reaches his full potential. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not negative on that, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily bullish either. I, as much as Tevin looked good last year and Braxton looked okay. I didn't necessarily think though, that the offensive line ever looked spectacular. Um, right. And whether if, that's, if they did, we wouldn't be talking about them in the top 10 of the draft. Yeah. And whether <laughs> talent or not, who knows, but look at the end of the day, let's parse it down the middle then. Sure, maybe the talent of the offensive line was bad, but I got to give some blame to the offensive line coach and Chris Morgan. And you got to find a way to get those guys to perform better, um, you know, qu- respective of the quality. I get it. Maybe they're down here, but can you get them to average? And that didn't happen much last year. So um, that's, the, you know, and that's a question whether it's Skaronsky, Broderick, Paris, whoever you draft, you're going to have to have that conversation. But that is where I, I personally sit with my evaluation of Broderick. Yeah. KB, you got anything on Broderick Jones? Man, my boy Jay said it all, bro. Uh, I, I think the biggest things you look at is my man's young, um, six foot five, uh, almost thirty five inch arms, and the kid, the kid's an athletic freak. I what's mean, his, what's his age? I know we have a uh, like twenty one. The, okay. the kid is young as shit. So, I I mean, like you said, you see the kid playing basketball and you, the motherfuckers moving. You like. <laughs> I can see you I playing power forward for somebody coming off the bench. I, I can see it. I mean, let's, uh, let's call it what it is, KB. It's weird. Like it, it like is. Dewan was a star basketball player. Dewan Jones, Ohio State, mm-hmm. and like he'll dunk and all that. Dewan's Dewan's great, a great athlete for his size. But even he looks a little clunky because of just how big he is. Yeah. Like I would I would implore anybody go watch just like type in Broderick Jones basketball, and he's got like a couple videos of him just like hooping around. 
and he's got no shirt on and you're like where's the fat on this guy oh, and he's just oh. kind of moving like he's a you know what it is he almost looks like he's a linebacker um and you're talking about a tackle and they're not supposed to look the same and like Skokes is saying he gets you know Tyron Smith fight uh, yeah I mean I don't Tyron it's not bad Tyron Smith was a monster Tyron mm. Smith was a, a gorilla unit coming out, like a just just a beast, um, you know. And that's like uh, the, the gorilla. Just so we're clear, gorilla, no no racist term there. I mean, I, I, unit. Well, yeah. I have, you know, I'll give you an example. Like Trent Williams goes by Silverback, and I've called him a gorilla before. And people get pissed at me, and I'm like, no, that's his name. He goes by Silverback. So um, that's the same general sense I get from Tyron. But yeah, Broderick to me to get back to to KB at AC here, but uh, and 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 you know C Dub, but to me. That's what we're talking about when Broderick Jones is the peak athlete, like mm. the Trent Williams type athlete, the one that gets out of the move, the one that's just, you know, amazing. The, the Lane Johnson, the former quarterback who transitioned to tackle at Oklahoma and is can keep up with all different types of edges. Um, it's it's that type of dude. And that I can't understate the value of that. It's important. There's it, Trent Williams and Lane Johnson and guys like that. They Bakhtiari in even some sense, but like these guys don't just end up there because they work really hard. That's a part of it, but a lot of it is what is your foundational baseline of of your skill set, your body, your athleticism, and Roderick has that in spades. Wow, that sounds very interesting. Chris, do you have anything else on offensive line before we uh, try to move this conversation forward? Just sort of, just sort of concluding what what, uh, what we've just been talking about, really. I mean, the, the guy sounds absolutely fantastic, but it's like what we've all sort of touched on. It's just like he's lacking experience. And one of the things that we've all been talking for, like, especially since Justin Field came to his protecting Justin Fields. And if we can just give him that protection this year, where we're a bit more guaranteed with maybe something a bit more experienced, and I'd rather go that way. But it's sad because if this guy is such an athlete, like, you know, like a once in a generational athlete, then. It might just be worth taking that little bit of a gamble, but it's just for me, it's just like, I just want to get like that middle shored up with like people who know what they're doing. And then, and then hopefully it'll open up Justin Fields to be a bit more of a, a pocket passer rather than uh, having to look over his shoulder all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, it's definitely interesting. And uh, a lot of what Jordan was saying, it kind of sounded like Tevin coming out of college to me, uh, burying guys and and taking pride in and putting guys in the dirt uh, and, and all that, th but he's younger. So that's, you know, helps you build for the future. Um, if he has an experience, maybe that's another way to look at a trade back option as we spoke on when we first came in, you know, if you can trade back and still get one of these offensive tackles, which all sound solid, none sound, spectacular but who knows i mean um we've seen guys like eric fisher go first overall and uh uh what was that guy's name for jacksonville um luke jokel, jokel yeah please. jokel going into that draft everyone was like this guy's can't miss he's gonna be your future at left tackle you plug and play him for 10 years all that type of stuff and and they didn't work out so sometimes you have to take I mean, draft analysis with a grain of salt, you know. I'll give you this, and this is not to say that all these guys are going to pan, <clears throat> going to pan out, because frankly, that we nobody can guarantee that. And landing spot is so important, as we talk about with who's your coach, what's your situation, what's the patience level. I, 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 I don't mean to like harp on Leatherwood, but Leatherwood got dealt the the, the rawest hand of cards 
I mean, Tom Cable, who's got his own history as an offensive line coach, but I mean, they they destroyed that kid's confidence, put him at right tackle. He failed a little bit. Then like you're a guard. Oops, now you're not a guard either. You can't even play for us. And like all of that matters in context to a player's career. And so I'm not here to tell you that all of these guys are going to pan out. But to your point, AC of Jokel, Abwehi, uh, Cedric Abwehi that went to the the, the Bengals. Um, who's the other guy we we're talking about? Uh, if Eric Fisher. I mean, any of Jonah Williams, any of these guys that you want to talk about. To me, Broderick, Paris, Darnell Wright even, but let's just focus on kind of those two at the top, uh, Broderick and Paris. To me, they are immensely better athletes than any of those guys, and that to me is inspiring if you – and I only say this because, like I said, if if it's me personally, I wouldn't pick any of these guys at nine. I would probably go Skaronsky, but on a personal level, like what I think is going to happen, it's going to be one of these guys to the Bears. And so I don't – you're always going to find somebody that's outraged. But to me, if I can give any consolidation to uh, – consolation, rather, to anybody that sees those picks is, to me, Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson are leagues ahead of even guys that have made super solid careers, like Jake Matthews, Falcons tackle, who's on his third or fourth contract at this point. Really solid guy. Set it, forget it. Not a, not a world beater, but you're not going to have nightmares about him as, ta- as your tackle. To me, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, they're coming in at a higher point and a higher starting point with even better tools in their bag to use. And I think that that matters. That is at the base level. That's what I'm trying to build towards. And I think that that's what's enticing about these guys. Shannon Schroeder here has an interesting question. How does Broderick compare to Darnell Wright athletically? I, to me, much better. Um, I, again, I tell you, when you watch Broderick Jones move, it's like, that's not normal. That's not, it's a little different. Like his ability to track people in the second level, his ability to get out in space, his physicality that he brings when he gets to contact. Um, Darnell Wright is a little more of a lumbering guy. And that's not to say he's not athletic. He's pretty athletic for his size, but he doesn't move like, like Broderick. Um, and his anchor and Darnell Wright is a former five star. He's been senior at Tennessee, so he's got plenty of experience. And so, to me, but if we're talking about calling cards, like so, this is the Darnell Wright calling card. The Darnell Wright calling card is the anchor, the pass pro, and the anchor. So, if you're trying to run through Darnell Wright, it's just never going to happen. You're just not mm-hmm. going to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the Dewan Jones thing. Like, you can't take a guy that's 370, 360 and run through the middle of him. It just doesn't work. And that's kind of the Darnell Wright thing. Now, like people bring up Will Anderson. Will Anderson tried to convert speed to power against Darnell Wright and found out the hard way. That just doesn't work. And I bring up B.J. Ojolari because I'm a big fan of Ojolari. And um, Darnell Wright still held his own against him, but he did struggle a bit more with those guys that are a little more bendy, a little smaller of a target to try to put your hands on. But again, he's one of those guys with a grip strength, the latch, the latch activity. When Darnell Wright latches onto you, the rep is over. Um, and once he sets anchor, he's not going anywhere. Um, and that to me is his calling card where Broderick is a kind of a ball of clay. That would probably be the best way to put it is Broderick is not that refined in any particular area yet. But if you wanted me to call like a specific calling card for him, I would either say it's his athleticism or his just junkyard dog mentality, which is like, I, I was kind of talking about it, like, I'm going to bury you. Like, uh-huh. Hey, you know, what's going to happen. It's mono and mono this rep. And I'm going to win, and I'm going to be on top of you, and I'm going to run your, your face into the ground. 
and I'm going to pull you by the back of your collar and go get up, and we're going to do this again next round. Like that's that's the calling card. And then I hope that gets people excited because I'm like, just because I'm saying like I prefer Skaronski, I'm not down on these guys. Right. Uh, just, but that's what we're talking about. Is Darnell right? I can very clearly go like, this is his game. This is what he's strong at, and. I don't mean to make like because Madden's a shit game, but you know, you want to bring up Madden, like when you draft players, you get kind of like the question mark of like, what is his athleticism or what is like mm-hmm. that's what Roderick Jones is a little bit is like mm-hmm. unknown. I don't I don't know what his ceiling is because he's so far away from it, but you can see little bits and pieces where you're like, I like this guy. Yeah, I like the way that he bodies this corner out in the edge. And you've seen Braxton Jones do that, so I could see them liking this. And I'll be this just a very brief end. Paris Johnson can move the way Broderick does, but Paris Johnson does not finish and is not as much of an asshole as Broderick Jones is. And that's the difference to me. And that's why I like Broderick over Paris. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Um, we do need to move on though, because we've, we've talked to Alon for an hour and we have several needs on this, on the bears um, offensive line. I feel like is where we should go in the first round, but Again, we'll have to see how it all plays out, uh, how their board falls. Who knows? Maybe we could go corner, wide receiver. But my second biggest need, in my opinion, is on the defensive line. Uh, We did bring in Andrew Billings to lock down the nose tackle. Shout out to KB. Uh, We brought in um, Walker from Tennessee. He might play edge. He might play some three technique. We're not sure yet. So we brought in some names, but nothing really big. And even those guys, like Billings is on a one-year contract. I think Walker might be on a one- or two-year contract. So you're still having to build for the future. Uh, throw. Do you think we should throw edge and defensive tackle in together? Because there's really – to me, there's only one defensive tackle even worth a pick in the first round, and his name is Jalen Carter. He does come with question marks off the field, but on the field, he does everything you need. He had some issues in the offseason. I don't really want to get into it because it's well-documented. Anyone who knows anything about the draft knows what happened. Uh, I I guess I'll just say it. He was racing. A friend of his died, and so did a trainer at Georgia. Uh, He went back to the scene later. I don't know if he told the cops the truth or – or twisted the truth the guys that when they do interviews and the bears have brought them in several times so when they interview these guys i'm sure they know a lot more about the situation than we do as outsiders looking in but he is a plug and play three tech uh and other than him i worry about kalijah Cansey's arm length uh he's kind of a one-trick pony to me he gets he gets there with speed and that's really about it but we're talking first round here uh, because that's what's happening this week, first and second round. By the time by the time we get back on here on Sunday, we'll know who the pick is. So we can talk about that then. But uh, um, but edge rusher, there's a lot of names out there. Will Anderson, I feel like, will probably be gone. He wasn't gone in our mock draft when we grabbed him, but uh, I think he's going to be gone. Um, but there are several names on the edge. Jordan, I saw one of your mock drafts this week with Lucas Van Ness, and that seems to be a very popular name in the chat this morning. Uh, the Hart Foundation has stated many times that he is a big fan of Van Ness, uh, so definitely wanted to put his name out there to that one. Um, other edge rushers Kyrie that could Wilson. be there. 
Right, Tyree Tyree Wilson Wilson. from Texas Tech. Keon Keon White. That's a little. But uh, we'll 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 get into some of these edge rushers. Uh, KB uh, is, is if. Assuming Will Anderson is the only edge gone by the time we hit the board at nine, is there a can't miss guy that you are in love with? But you're like, I would take this guy over an offensive tackle, even. <sighs> I it's 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 funny because I the guy I'm gonna say I'm pretty sure our good friends in New Jordan can wax poetic about him. Uh, Van Ness is a very interesting prospect, man. Uh, I I believe you he can play the edge. I believe he can kick inside and play three tech and be the uh, be a hell of a three tech. At nine, it, it, it'd be I'd be very hard pressed to pass him. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's it, that's a hell of a player, bro. It's a hell of a player, especially if you kind of look at it the way that I was kind of speaking on things with the old line. Maybe you can find a dude to kick inside to play guard. In the second round, and you can get a Van Ness and like, hey, <laughs> that guy, he's gonna he's gonna mess with people's old lines. Uh, I like I, said, I can't I can't wax as poetic about the kid like my boy Jordan can. Uh, I'm just saying I know the dude's a freaking nature. I know that when he played, yeah, that he didn't get all the playing time, which was a question I had, you know, since he mm-hmm. was coming in on certain downs and stuff like that. But the kid was fresh. You could see it. He was a terror. He was he's beat on people that we're talking about going in the first round. Right. So um just going off the strength of saying that I don't know, I don't believe Will Anderson to be there. To be honest, I don't even think Tyree Wilson to be there. Uh I think both of those dudes are gonna end up coming off the board in the in the, the first eight picks. So yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie, bro. If Lucas Van Ness is there and they decide to stick at nine and just say fuck it and take him, hey, more power to him. I'm all for it. The dude's a hell of a player, and that's right now. That's like the only person defensively I'm looking at. Like, yo, that's that's somebody I would love to get because I don't believe that uh, the Jalen Carter's of the world, the Will Anderson's of the world, or Tyree Wilson's of the world to be there. The one name I do not want to see is fucking Miles Murphy. I I'll, I'll, I'll probably break some shit. If he gets drafted at nine, I'm just saying. But uh, Van Ness, yeah. Um, listen, I'm on board for him. I, I to me, is <laughs> the first four picks damn near to me have to be trench players. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, like it. Yeah. There have been times I've thought to myself, man, you know what? Man, I would love to see certain people taken. But to be real, this team has to be built through the trenches. Like you have, you have the linebackers, you have the back end of a defense. You can pick up a fucking, you know what I'm saying, a, a flyer on a veteran at corner right now. I don't care. The defensive line is not in the best of places right now. Right. The offensive line is on its way. The defensive line is not in the best of places. That has to be fixed. It absolutely has to be fixed, and you need to allocate the resources to it. Lucas Van Nine at, at nine, <laughs> you're you're on your way to fixing it. So I go ahead and pass that to somebody else, man. Y'all do what y'all both with that move. See that? What do you got? Yeah, I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of Van Ness as well. Um, I I do like the idea of kicking him into three technique, which is from what I've heard from other podcasters. Uh, 
guys like Dane Brugler and stuff on on the athletic, uh, it seems like that would that's probably where he won the most was was inside, uh, and that definitely feels a need for us. Picking him at nine, like you, if it plays out like you said, KB, where Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson are both already gone, and maybe a Jalen Carter's already gone, uh, this that could be an interesting position. Um, I just they they said you know he he doesn't start um, at Iowa, which Iowa's weird because like they had George Kittle, and he dropped to the fifth round. They had. Uh, you know, and that's a different position, but you know, they have so many, I feel like they don't use all of their players to the best of their ability, uh, every single down. And I don't know what, what that comes down to. They've had, they've had a coach there that's been there for years. So maybe it comes down to that, uh, where he just values experience. I know my, my high school coach was like that, you know, if you were a senior, even if you weren't as even if you were if you were a sophomore, that even if you were better than the senior, the senior is going to play just because he's a senior, you know. And so um, maybe it comes down to that. Just those old school coaches, I don't know. But uh, Chris, do you know anything about this Van Ness guy, or uh, is this? I'm going to let Jordan finish this out because I feel like he's going to go on a, a, yeah, a bit of a long. tirade. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's go. <laughs> Then absolutely, I know absolutely fuck all about guys. That's quite lucky, but <laughs> that's good timing, man. Because I kept thinking, keep talking, AC, keep talking, brother. But uh, that sort of defensive line I've been looking at is uh, Keanu uh, Benson from Wisconsin, uh, Zach Pickens, Zach Pickens, Carolina. Yep. Can't even fucking writing. Uh, defensive <laughs> tackle is it Jacqueline Roy from LSU? Yeah. That sounds like yeah. a girl's name. That doesn't really sound like a girl's name. That does. I want to say it to his face. I want, I want yeah, I was going to say, you tell him that. I meant Smith D. Wyman, apart from Will Anderson, is Nolan Smith from Georgia. So mm-hmm. he, might, he might be worth a look at. But yeah, that's, that's sort of my views. I mean, I can't really. I think maybe because I look at it from an offensive side, I'd really, I really want us to like get a, an Earl Lyman for that night pick rather than a D tackle. Because we have brought in some people in like like uh, Andrew Billings, our good friend of the show. And mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, I know for me, it's, it's offensive line because I just, want, I just want to see Justin Field get that protection so we can actually see what the kid can do. Right. Yeah, I agree. I just... Most of this show, we just wanted to let Barflies know who to watch for at nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of the guys that you mentioned there, I feel like are second round type of guys. Keanu mm-hmm. Benton uh, has shown the ability to play both nose and three tech. Um, so that's an interesting name. If he's there at 54 and we go offensive line in the first round, that could be a, a an interesting draft haul uh, early. Um uh, I'm trying to think of some of the. Uh, you did mention Nolan Smith. We'll touch on him later because he's a big name in the in the chat over here. Uh, but I, I'm going to let uh, Jordan talk about some uh, some Van Ness, maybe a little Wilson if he wants to yeah, drop well, him in there. Some we'll sprinkle a little bit on each one of them, which um, I mean, it feels like you know whether it's KB or C Dub, you guys are hitting the heartstrings with you're fighting the good fight. I love Keanu Benton. Um, Keanu Benton's a guy that like I'll just touch on him briefly. I, it's possible he goes to the second. I he's a guy I have a firm first on. Like to me, 
if he's in the second round at the end of day one, he's probably like top two or three names on like best players available board. Cause that's how much I think highly of him. I think it's, you seldom get a guy and I know it can be seen as a tweener, but you seldom get a guy that can play both the one technique and three. Um, and he's probably more of a nose, but like, let me give you the other example. Mozzie Smith is the other big nose tackle. He's another guy I think could go to like the bills. For example, that's where I had him mocked um, recently. And, Mozzie's a guy that, as athletic and freaky as he is, doesn't show the pass rushing repertoire. Yeah. He ain't never that been that. Benton does, and that to me is like, wait, so I can get a one tech that can pass rush and penetrate as well. Like that's that's valuable, and that's why I think so highly of him. Um, with respect to like Jacqueline Roy, I don't think Jacqueline Roy is probably going to go as early. Um, he's not. He's fine. Not a bad player. Just not somebody I I've fallen in love with. Um, Zach Pickens is a guy I feel like I've been on the name of for months, and I still kind of ride that train a little bit. I think that his run defense needs a lot of work, but as a penetrator, as a pass rusher, as a former five-star explosive guy, there's something there, and it's it's all about value at that point with Zach Pickens. Like, if that's your yeah, pick. I, I knew Zach Pickens as a recruit. Uh, he was supposed to be the next Javian Clowney when they, when they recruited him down there to South Carolina. And he just never really lived up to the hype. Um, yeah, and, and I mean that's that's the AC. That's the story of Pickens. To be quite frank, is former five star flashes, but hasn't been consistent. Now, and I don't want to say that he's had nothing around him, but you know, for the most part, he's had a secondary around him: Cam Smith, Darius Rush. Uh, Mississippi State does put dudes there, but he hasn't had an all star defensive line to help bolster him, and that's not. I don't want to make concessions or excuses for the guy. If you're a stud, you just find a way to pull it through. And he did have flashes. I think that he also has some decent um, – you'll hear like I, – I, and I'm this is no shot at Brett Coleman. I know he recently came out and said he kind of felt bad about ragging on Pickens recently. But like Brett Coleman went in on him. I was talking about like he's dog shit at run defense. And I don't necessarily think it's that bad. Um, I think he's had some good reps even against like Bama's interior offensive line holding the point of attack on run. Uh, but he again, Jay, uh, Jalen Carter, excuse me, Zach Pickens is not a guy that you take it all in the first round. I'd see him more in like end of two, third, maybe that's decent value. Um, Jacqueline Roy, to your point, C Dub is a guy I'd probably think in the fourth, maybe fifth, uh, just based on his tape. Not not a huge, doesn't show a lot of flash. Um, solid player, more of a one tech, more of a limited skill set than a three to me. Uh, with respect to the first round guys, and I'm going to save NS for the last because that's the one that I'm most excited about. But um, to me, if we're talking pick number nine, it's really a two-man race. It's Skaronsky or Van Ness, unless, unless Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, or Will Anderson get there. Then you add a different element to the discussion. I guess we'll start with Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson is a freak. Um, I've always I've I still can't get this out of my head. I've all, since I started, you know, doing some scouting on him way back in like even September when he was kind of uh, tearing it up. I was thinking, what if you add 10, 15 pounds to this guy and make him a mm. three-tech? Because that to me is like, I was a big fan of Logan Hall last year. And Logan Hall is a guy that, you know, kind of that tweener as well. They've got this immense size, but athleticism. And what if you ask him to put a few more pounds on and he now becomes your three tech and he looks, he's got the body of that Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, DeForest Buckner. Um, and And he would probably just wreck guards. Now, to be clear, I don't think he's going to be there, so I don't even think you're going to see that. And I do think that, similar to how I'm going to make the argument for Van Ness, if we're going to say, you know, if Skaronsky play offensive tackle to guard, I'd probably say give Tyree Wilson the chance at edge. And then he can play 
three tech on part-time on passing downs. But right. to me, he's got definitely one of the highest ceilings. I mean, you just don't see guys that are six, six with, you know, condor wingspan and, um, you know, blowing by offensive linemen and they, they have ex- exceptional power and speed and athleticism and bend and burst. So I think to me, Tyree Wilson, if Tyree Wilson was there at nine, I don't even think it's a hesitation. I just think flu sent the card up because yeah. you want to talk about just kind of the whole bundle and package. Now he needs refinement too. He's, he's not there yet, but this That's, is kind uh, of Danny Simmons, number one edge rusher. He's got, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. He's got and, him over Will Anderson. So I've, I've looked at some video of him at Texas tech. Um, as big as he was, his measurables, it seemed like to me, he got pushed around more than I would have expected. Um, and the foot injury, of course, is it makes you question if he is yeah. there at nine, if that's a bigger deal than we know, you know. Yeah, and I mean, nobody, none of us are going to be able to find that. Only the NFL teams and doctors, and as we all know, doctors vary too. You have one doctor that says, I'll put my name to it, it looks fine, and other doctors that go, well, I don't want to tell you he's good, and then have that come back on me because it doesn't work out. And so, right. Uh, but again, I don't think he makes it. I think, like, I couldn't see Seattle passing on him if he was there for Seattle, so <laughs> – uh, yeah, it's just these are unless this, they go quarterback there. Yeah, well, and this is the cost of doing business. Like you wanted, you wanted DJ Moore, and you wanted all those future first rounds. You're going to have to move back to nine, where some of these top defenders go. Right. Uh, Will Anderson is a guy that I, I love. Uh, I know it's not maybe as sexy as you know uh, Tyree Wilson or some of these other players, but sometimes I just don't think you look a gift horse in the mouth and pass it up. Right. Um, he's a guy that probably I will say this. I think he is probably a little more maximized than other prospects like bama just builds them like hey it's that's kind of the appeal of getting a bama guy he's already nfl strength trained he's got you know some probably some of the best nutrition out there with the program that they have going playing against sec talent playing practicing against all stars getting nfl coaching from saban so i do think he's probably a little more maximized and i sure i think maybe he'd be best as a three four edge but i think he can play down on an even front um, to me, he's a guy that he's stout, holds the point of attack for the most part. And the only time I saw him getting his ass kicked in the run game is, and this is a problem too with Nick Saban is, and Nolan Smith, which we'll get to in a second, is you in my system as Nick Saban, I don't care about stars. We don't play stars. Stars play, but you play where I put you. And so oh, yeah. the only time I saw Will Anderson get his ass kicked was when he was being put at four eye. Which, I mean, is already talking about the character of the guy to say, yeah, go ahead and put me up at the thankless position or I'm going to get my ass kicked by a garden tackle and I'm going to get kicked down the line. But that's not going to happen in the NFL. He's going to play edge on a, you know, a six shade on, on an offensive tackle and play their outside shoulder and hold up at the point of attack on run defense. And I think that he has a diverse set of moves, a diverse toolbox, um, likes to convert speed to power, but is relentless in his pursuit. I think that he's a guy that we had him fall in our mock at nine, and I totally agree that's probably not going to happen. But I also can see some of the concerns from teams going, well, what am I getting? Like, is there anything right. left to unlock? Um, I think also it hurts, too. The tail hurts of him, which is last year he had a outrageous year. It was something right. that you've never seen before. And I think people think that this year was bad. And I, don't, I wouldn't say it was bad. I just – don't think it was stellar like the year before. So right. I tend he'd probably be gone. But if he was there, that would be, as we did in our mock last week, that would be the pick I'd run up over a Van Ness. Uh, <laughs> I'll be trying to be quick here on the last couple too, but uh, Nolan uh, Nolan Smith, to me, Nolan Smith just doesn't fit. Um, he's a guy, right. too, to his credit, he, 
I think he just kind of shut up and did the job of Kirby Smart, but Kirby Smart is an acolyte of Nick Saban, um, is a similar style, which is, hey, just I'll put you on the defense where I put you and you play it um, and you don't say a word about it. And so he was another guy, kind of like that Trevon Walker from last year, where he was just kind of all over the place, didn't get a true sense to just be able to put pin his ears back and rush the passer. Um, played a lot of, you know, that kind of that looping player, that contained player, the helicopter player on stunts and games. Um, to me, he's a guy that I don't, he tries, he's a tryhard in the run game, but I, I don't think I can put him at defensive end, even if I tell him to bulk up a little bit. I don't yeah, think, I think I, he's a off ball linebacker in our defense. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, to me, what he represents is, and Drew, Drew Sanders from Arkansas is a little bit this way, but I would be more interested in seeing Nolan Smith play the Micah Parsons role, which yeah. is I'll put you at Sandbacker and then maybe I move you up around the line and maybe I blitz you off the edge there, but. I'm more diverse. I line you up all over the place, and it's harder for offensive minds to scheme scheme you up against you. Um, so that's to me where I'm at with Nolan Nolan Smith. I keep wanting to call him Nolan Carter. I haven't touched on Jalen Carter. I'll be quick with that. Jalen Carter to me, it's it's, and I'm not trying to steal any words from Dan Brugler here, but I think he's really summated it well. I think that with Jalen Carter, you're just getting a kid, um, and that's that's good and that's bad. Uh, Jalen Carter, and I know we got George in the chat here who's not a Jalen Carter fan, and I, I can understand some of that. Jalen Carter's inconsistent. Um, he has mm. plays where it's just like three, and sometimes you'll string them together. It's like three or four plays where I'm like, holy shit, who's that guy? Looks like Aaron Donald just wrecking plays. Uh, but he's inconsistent, and he's got the off-field character issues, whether we like him or not. Um, yeah, none of the technical right. parts. I mean, I would agree. It's you know That's where I, I hope that would be understood, George, but uh, just because, you know, we're saying uh, playing like Parsons doesn't mean he is Parsons. I'm just saying that same similar role. Uh, but so, yeah, to me, you know, with Jalen Carter, he's inconsistent. He is a kid. He is young. It mean, I, I mean, there's been reports that, you know, he was a guy that had to be pushed by Kirby Smart. Um, right. You know, constantly like, hey, get on get on your horse, do your job. You know, don't don't fight. Uh, ha- come with energy. Play hard. And. Some of that you have to ask, like, is that something that the Bears would even want? Like, do they are they okay taking a guy that they have to constantly cajole and push, or do they want self starters where the motor? You've heard Foose talk about the motor always runs hot, and you know we we want guys that are self starters and they're, they they buy into the program. And I don't know if they'd want this talented guy that you maybe have to grow up or mature to get him to his full potential. I'm not here to tell you don't take him at nine. I just right. think it's important to have the context of that's what you're getting. And I know like with George in the chat and I don't, I haven't seen him talk about it, but I know he would probably puke a little bit in his mouth to see a guy like Jalen Carter taken at nine. Um, and I would say, I don't know if I'm like in love with it, but I could see why you do it. I just think that understand this is that whole point of the Skaronsky, like Skaronsky, you sleep easy at night. If you take mm-hmm. Jalen Carter, you're taking a gamble. Like you are rolling the dice hoping you're not rolling the snake eyes. And if you pull right. up with the snake eyes, there's no blame to go to anybody but Ryan Poles. Like, if you're going to take that dive on a guy like Jalen Carter, don't be surprised if it blows up in your face. Yeah, um, but at least Mo says Jalen Carter in the Florida game, you'd take him. Jalen Carter in every other game, not before round three. As yeah, I mentioned earlier, I watched him live in Lexington against, against a team the dog that was replacing – replacing three offensive linemen and moving a guard to center for this year. His first time ever playing center. And I, he never, he didn't flash. He didn't, 
He may have gotten some pressures, if I remember correctly, but it wasn't like I expected. Like, I walked into that game. Kentucky had already not lived up to expectations for the year. I walked into that game as a season ticket holder. I was like, I'm going to go watch this game to see Jalen Carter for my Bears. I wasn't even there as a – I mean, I wore my Kentucky gear, obviously, but I wasn't there as a Kentucky fan. I wanted to see Jalen Carter do something. You want to see a game record. Right, exactly. You want to see Quinnen Williams this year. You want to see Aaron Donald. You want to see Chris Jones in the playoffs. Like, that's who – that's – and that's – I totally – and I know George, this isn't like a shy. Like I like Jalen Carter. I'm much higher on him than you are, but I'm also can level and relate to you, George, in the sense I know you're not high on him. And then if, and that's the problem is if you want a game wrecker, a guy that can like just simply tear up a drive, that he does not show that enough. Like he has flashes, but if I'm taking you at nine, that's imp- like. I mean, l- let me give you another example. And Dominican Sue went number two overall, and that was very rich. But he had a tendency, and yes, he had his off the field, or not off the field, but he would, you know, stomp on players and had all types of, you know, behavioral issues. But for the most part, he was always disruptive. And like, I like to bring up Dominican Sue because I don't think people really remember in college, he was like just a wrecking shop. I mean, there's a play where he's like throwing Colt McCoy, and Colt McCoy's flying like four yards over here, and he's just owning people him and jared crick on that nebraska offensive line and to me that you just never really saw that with jalen carter and jalen carter's better year was last year he and it was well known that people thought he was the best defensive lineman when jordan davis was next to him and trevon walker was next to him and but and maybe that helps maybe that's why he looks so fantastic because he had all that help around him but he was played in Georgia, and I'll I'll give him a little bit of, of a grace here. I think that he, similarly to Nolan Smith and others, got used in – I mean, God, they had Jalen Carter playing nose to playing some four-eye, to playing some five, to playing some three. I don't necessarily think that happens in the NFL. I think he just gets to play three, and he's told to be an athlete and backdoor plays. and I, So, I mean, I think that there's an opportunity there, but it's not risk-free. And – Maybe Ryan Poles will take a shot, but I will say this about Ryan Poles. To this point, I don't really think we've seen him be a risk taker, truly. Um, you just There's not a huge you know, uh, track record of seeing that. Um, you know, I see George here saying like he's not even Jordan Davis. And yeah, I mean, Jordan Davis was a, a freak athlete, but you know, um, yeah. So that's, that's the Jalen Carter talk. And uh, as we get to kind of wrap up the, the D-line talk, I've been saving this because, you know, KB's back now. We get to talk about Van Ness. Um, as I said at the beginning, it, to me, Skaronsky's a safe pick. Uh, Van Ness is not safe. I don't I don't want to position it like it's the same thing. But And and George here is saying Van Ness is a project inside, better fit for five tech than three in the Nick. Yeah, I, I guess we can talk about that. To me, and to George's point, let me kind of placate him a bit. I, there's no team I want Van Ness with more if it's not the Bears than the Tennessee Titans. Um, yeah. I think that because he's a thrasher, he's a mauler. Like he's the type that's just going to beat the hell out of your offensive tackle all game, and the tackle's going to be like that was one of the hardest days of my life playing against that. Yeah, team. it was just physical every play, um, and I think Vrabel would love that. And they don't. Uh, Harold Landry's a bendy, bendy guy on the other side. I know we're talking Titans, so I'll get back to Bears, but. That is where I see George, you know, talking about like, hey, put I think he's I think he's a little bit more of an edge player, George. I, I totally see the value of having him as a three tech. And this is where I'm getting to is if you wanted him at three tech, you're not losing anything. He's going to own a lot of guards. Uh, but similar to Skaronsky, where I'm saying let him f- 
play outside, and if he fails, then we'll move him inside. I would do the same with NS. Venice to me is not safe, but I know what I'm getting with Venice, which is like again, we're looking at let me put it this way. To me, Lucas Venice is a puppy dog. And that's that's kind of a valuable thing. Like that was like to be fair, that was Justin Fields in a lot of ways. Justin Fields was kind of a puppy dog coming into the league. Like he's got these huge paws and you see what he's gonna grow into, but he's still gotta refine a parts of his game. To me, that's Lucas Vaness in a lot of ways. He's got these huge big paws, but he's still a puppy. Um, he's got one single calling card at the moment, but guess right. what? The calling card works even against the best talent um, in Paris Johnson's Garonsky. He'll just you know sit there and power rush and drive his hands into a, a, an offensive lineman's chest, and he's so powerful and strong that he'll just pull you backwards. And sure, if we want to talk about what a player can't do or what he, what's negative is, he doesn't have much beyond that. I'll be the first to say it. And so it sounds like taking a guy like that at nine is rich, and maybe it is. But he can play inside. He can play outside. He's a local Illinois kid. I, look, that's well, you can say that's nothing, but you've now heard the, the staff and the organization talk about they like that. He's yeah. got the connection to his girlfriend's Cole Komet's sister, um, which, uh, you know, I don't know about the dynamics there. Maybe that would be a bad thing having, uh, you know, that kind of that family connection. God forbid they break up or something like that. <laughs> it is all sight. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know about the but. To the point of he can play inside, he can play outside. He's got a calling card that works, even if it's limited. And because he's a puppy, he has room to grow. Like, mm -hmm. that's the thing is, it's not like he's limited in athleticism. He's not the bendiest guy, but he's got athleticism. He, he's got a decent three cone. And all of a sudden, if we can, and this isn't, I don't want to say it's a given. Not every guy can do this. But if you can get him to develop an actual pass rush plan, to get more moves than just a power rush. What does it look like when he puts it all together? And that is why I think uh, Van S at nine is perfectly fine because God, even if it all goes bad, even if it's just like one trick pony and he doesn't really do much else, then he's a dominant three tech with more power than most three techs. He's got one tech power in his hands and he's athletic enough to sit there and play the three and beat up on guards with more power and athleticism than most cards have. Um, and that's 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 the low end. Mm. And the high end is he's an edge that's a mauler and a brawler and thrashes you and bashes you for a whole game. It's and he's thorough. athletic and he's setting the edge and you don't know what's coming because one play he's going to run through you with the hands in the chest, the old traditional calling card of the of the, the bull rush, and the other one he's you know swimming. Spin and, off of it. <laughs> like, I, it's just that to me – is why I can't get out of my head of, man, you draft that guy. Yeah, it's a little bit of a project. It's not super safe. But mm. I don't think there's any – there's no work concerns, no work ethic concerns. There's no oh, – no. it's just about, like, how do I unlock the rest? Yeah. And he is – he's a puppy. And, I you know, like I said, if you don't like that, then no, you're not going to like Van Essen not. But I'm oh. willing to sign up. The draft is already a crapshoot. So, mm -hmm. you know, similarly, like, this is a different topic, but, like, with quarterbacks – the reason why, like, people were down on uh, – it's funny, Casey, uh, AC, we, we we had a talk about Will Levis, and now the Will Levis stock is right back up. And I kid, yeah. but there was, a, you know, there was, a, there was a concern about Will Levis, and now he's rising back up boards. But the reason why you take a Richardson or a Will Levis is because maybe they're puppies, maybe they're unrefined, maybe they, they don't have it all together. But guess what? When it comes down to it, they can sling the ball 75 yards and the other guys can't. Like, if it's all a crapshoot and it's all just burning lottery tickets and we're scratching off the numbers and seeing if we're winning, 
then give me the one that has the opportunity to hit for $6 million, not the one that can hit for $2 million. And that, to me, is what Van S is. Um, Van S is a guy that the floor is already you're still getting some return, mm. but the upside is unlimited. We don't even know yet. It's not even scraped apart. That's the Broderick Jones argument. Like, I already see what he does well, but there's no calling card. But, you know, to KB's point, I know KB plays some Madden. You know, mm. you're, you're trying to unlock those question marks of, like, what is it behind here? And mm -hmm. with Van Ness, it's sky high. I was a big Ryan Kerrigan fan. To me, he reminds me of Kerrigan, but mm. he, I call him like unlimited Ryan Kerrigan. See. Because Ryan Kerrigan, for don't don't disrespect my man Kerrigan, because Kerrigan's one of Kerrigan the was a dog. Yes, like consistent year in year out, productive in a Washington defense that is forgettable in a lot of ways. Uh, it, to me, Kerrigan had a super solid career, and I'm telling you, that's Van Ness kind of now, but he's physically much much more unlimited. And I can't. I've already talked so much about Van Ness, but. To me, I can't wax poetically enough about him because it's with we're talking Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson going off the board. To me, if you're sticking at nine, you're not getting a trade. It's Van S or it's Skaronski. And by the way, if you traded back, I'd still probably say if those guys were on the board, it's Skaronski or it's Van S. That's that's interesting. I was gonna go ahead, KB. I was gonna say, bro, this this is this is how I quantify it, bro. There's a player that's that's up there in the north that I, you know what I'm saying, I hated that he failed it too because I felt like he should have went first overall. And I pretty, I'm pretty sure the Jaguars wish they would have had a redo on that pick. Aiden Hutchinson has a lot of dog in him, right? Nobody ever sit here and tell you Aiden Hutchinson was, was Miles Garrett coming out or, you know, he was the most exciting prospect. None of that shit, but you know what he had? He had dog in him. This is what I see from Lucas Van Ness. This is why I said I wouldn't mind taking Lucas Van Ness at nine. I don't, I don't care that the kid doesn't have the total package right now. He has what Aiden Hutchinson has. Huh. I'm going to be relentless. And being relentless is an issue. You see it. Because if you constantly, you constantly getting somebody with jabs and body shots in the air, you're going to get a lot of boxing references right now because I watched the boxing match. I was like, fuck y'all. Uh, <laughs> But you constantly hitting somebody with the jab, and then you come, you come in alone, you hitting them with the body shots. It's going to wear that person down eventually. And then you hit them with that one body shot that makes them crumble and fall to a knee. If I got Lucas Van Ness and I'm putting them on the edge, and I'm saying, hey, man, you know what? Just hunt the quarterback all game. Beat the shit out of whoever the right tackle is or the left tackle, whatever the case may be. Just beat them up all game. Make them not want no parts of you. So you see him bull rushing, and then maybe he learns a spin move in that. Maybe he learns a, a fucking swim move in that. He's putting together what he needs to put together, and the kid's relentless. So guess what? It's going to be good eventually. It's going to happen. It's, the dam is going to break. And when it breaks, the kid is going to be fantastic. He's going to be a, a hell of a player. I, I talked to a homeboy of mine, and he said he scares me because he reminds me of Shea McClellan. I said the reason why he does not remind me of Shea is because Shea was not relentless in the pursuit of what he wanted to do. Shea was soft looking and he played soft. Yeah. You don't see none of that with Lucas at all. None of it. I'll take a kid right now who is who has one trick but is relentless over somebody I think can, you know, he's a little mediocre with some of the skills that he has, but he doesn't have a dog in him. So that's how I feel about Lucas, man. 
And for what it's worth, played on an Iowa defense that to to if you want to knock him for this, that's fine. But played on an Iowa defense that had studs all around with Jack Campbell and Riley Moss and a few other guys. But I will say he was pretty much the sole player on that Iowa defensive line. And yes, he didn't start because Ferenc has the old school seniority system, but plenty logged plenty of snaps at Iowa. Um, and I see, you know, George saying one trick that mostly didn't work. I, I guess, like I said, he's, and I, I, I see R&R here. I see George saying earlier he doesn't want maybes and, and questions. He wants answers at number nine. I get it. And I don't know, George, how you feel about Skaronsky, but that's why I pitched that as kind of the starting is you know what you're getting with Skaronsky. Like, there's an answer there, and you sleep easy. Uh, Vaness is not that, and I understand that. But to me, you're still – I think that there's value. There, there are maybes all over the draft, bro. There yeah. are no sure things unless you pick maybe in the top three. And George is saying, like, one trick that mostly didn't work. And sure, like, I mean, let me give you an example. And I put a I put a nice thread up about Skaronsky a few days ago because Duke, Duke Manyweather, renowned offensive line coach, O-line masterminds, and I believe his first grotesque Texas, he's got Skaronsky as a client. And, like, somebody was poking at him on Twitter and said, like, oh, what about Van S putting Skaronsky on his ass? And for what it's worth, that tape was from two years ago. And Skaronsky completely neutralized Van S last year. Like, it was – this is kind of – you want to talk about, like, the downside, the down game. Venice was kind of a non-factor against Skronsky. And that's a guy that's got long mm-hmm. arms, is a beast, is overpowering. And Skronsky found a way to put it together. And so it sounds like I'm placating you, George, by saying your one trick mostly didn't work. And like I said, I'm sure, I understand he needs growth in that area. But what I can say is against renowned talent, whether it's Skronsky one year, or it's Johnson, Paris Johnson this year. I mean, I respect Dewan Jones like nobody else's business. He's got a rep against Dewan Jones where, I mean, Dewan Jones, like I said, you're not going to run through him, even if you're Lucas Venice. But he didn't get mauled by, by Dewan like everybody else does. And then he still has the relentless pursuit that KB's talking about to scrape over the other side and wrap up Stroud before he can get out in space and run. And to me, that is what I'm talking about with that guy, that one trick that mostly doesn't work. But, yeah, but typically, like, once a game, it does. And once a game, and sure, if, it's, if you're playing Tom Brady and he gets the ball out in two seconds, that doesn't matter. But yeah. Tom Brady's not playing anymore. And most guys are holding on to the ball. And that one or two times a game that the trick does work where the offensive lineman is – and is let me give you the worst case. Like maybe the offensive – or I guess best case, depending on how you want to look at it. The offensive lineman gets put on his ass, and the quarterback hits it out, and it's not a sack. But if I'm the offensive lineman – I've played a little bit offensive. I'm not, not an NFL player by any stretch. But I definitely go back to the next rep goal like, oh, boy, that dude took me for a ride. Yeah. So it's got, it's got residual effects. Beyond just, oh, it only worked one play, one time, and it mostly doesn't work the other. So, I, I again, I, I could go on and on about Vanessa, but um, like George, I said, I, I, I value that we see the game differently. Uh, I hear you saying you'd like puke in your mouth if it was Van S or <laughs> and that's fine. Everybody could see it differently. But to me, um, I like Van S, and I will end with just brief this briefly. I don't, for all it's worth, I don't think that they take Van S. Um, it just doesn't seem like the guy that they're after. Um, I call that a a hand call that uh you know maybe a little bit of source work but i just genuinely don't get the sense that that's the guy that they want um and if it's not that's fine i just think that somebody's going to get a good quality player in venice yeah i I mean i was going to touch on it at the end but you kind of touched on everything hometown kid my bigger (laughs) question is that he has one move at least that's what i heard from dame brugler on the uh the athletic football show when they were talking, they were breaking down their defensive line. 
Uh, they did talk about Will Anderson comparing to Khalil Mack, which to Bears fans, that could be good or that could be bad. If your name is, you know, Dan Aguirre is not a big fan of, of Mac, but I hate him, Mac, bro. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of options. So we went through O line, we went through D line. Um, being that this is a draft uh, preview, it's, I guess it's um, definitely a name I want to talk about. It's definitely somebody because I, I got to get this shit off my chest, bro. Because yeah, I, I, I feel I feel like we should talk about some other things. I was listening to. I listened to Locked On NFL Draft, and last week they did a mock draft with all their hosts from around the country, and uh, Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears chose uh, JSN at number nine. He didn't trade back. He didn't trade up. He sat right there, and he drafted JSN. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the offense or the, the uh, wide receiver out of Ohio State, um, I feel like we should talk about him and then I'll go around the room and, and we can, uh, I'm sure KB, he already said he has someone he wants to talk oh, yeah. about Jordan. I'll let you pick someone. And Chris, mm-hmm. if you'd like to pick someone from your, uh, paper there that you'd like to, to speak on, uh, we can, we can talk about that as well. JSN to me, I'm going to start it off with him. Uh, he's an excellent route runner. He doesn't have the insane top end speed. He's not six, three, so he's not a, a big guy, but he gets open. Uh, he's got a history with Justin. I don't know if I like taking him at nine, to be completely honest, but I'm not sure where he would fall if we didn't. If that was if they thought he was the best player on the board and they went ahead and grabbed him, I'm not sure where he would where he would fall. I do worry about he had a hamstring injury last year and missed like the whole, the whole year. You know, uh, couldn't even come back for the for the playoffs. Um, so that does worry me as far as if, if injuries happen, are they lingering with him? Um, but his route running is impeccable. Uh, I can't lie. I can't act. He's my favorite receiver in the draft. Uh, Quentin Johnston got a lot of love pre-draft and then people started watching the tape and saw him body catching quite a bit, which is questionable. Um, I'm trying to think of some other the other receivers that are on. Zay Flowers is getting some love. I know jo- I know Jordan. I know you love Josh Downs. Uh, his size worries me. I think he's my height, so <laughs> that's that's not great for an NFL receiver. Um, but uh, JSN, uh, uh, I mean, if you guys want to put your input on JSN or what your thoughts are on him, I'd appreciate it. Uh, I'll start. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Can I? All right, all right, nice to do. The, the, only, the only sort of way that somebody will think that they do that is like the sort of thinking, you know, what happens to the Cincinnati Bengals and then they, uh, you know, initially got the quarterback and then they got the uh, wide receiver, which have played, uh, you, know, you know, women when they played for LSU. So I may be thinking that's maybe where that angle is coming from. They get regarding that receiver from Ohio. You were cutting out a little bit there. I didn't really. I, I know what he was trying. He was saying that uh, basically the the link that he sees with JSN with the Bears is that similar to the Bengals and I even the Dolphins oh, in some okay. way, Chris. Like you're linking your college quarterback with your college receiver, mm-hmm. and maybe there's a benefit to having that camaraderie and that chemistry in the building in a year that you want to see Justin Fields show clear improvement. So Does that sum it up, Chris. Right. Okay, that, that's my on, mate. I'm, so, I'm so, glad somebody understood me, AC. 
<laughs> no, no wanker of the week here. But uh, I'm not joking, mate. I know, I know. Uh, uh, KB, KB, what's your thoughts? Man, my, I was gonna say my thing with Jason, man. He's he's a player. I think you look at and you love to have, man. I you see his projections. His his projections really start at pretty much us and go from anywhere from that to like 25. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, the kid can go anywhere. Uh, he's not the it's my man's name right now. I don't know why the hell I'm blanking on it. Uh, no, I, I, he, he, I wouldn't even go that far. I, what I was saying, he's not Jamar Chase. Okay. That's, that's, okay. that's what my, He's not the Jamar Chase of this draft. Uh, right. You know what I'm saying? He's not that explosive. Oh, my God, this, this is the guy that's going to just put numbers up type of receiver. He, to me, is kind of like how you look at a tight end, right? Runs really good routes, has really good hands. He has he has good enough speed. You know what I'm saying? He, I believe if he caught a slant and it was an open seam, he might be able to take it to the house. Yeah. That being said, JSN is that he's a good player. I don't think he's the player to put you over the top. And with us, with the way I look at it now, you know, right now the the wide receiver room is stacked. Uh, yeah. You know, with DJ Moore, Mooney, and uh, Claypool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Valus factors into that somehow this year. Uh, you know, you brought back ESB and and, and Pettis, and then you you know say you can you can also get a, a receiver later on in the draft. So. I, yeah. I love JSN as a player without with them getting DJ Moore, it kind of took me off that, you know what I'm saying? That 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 trailer or that train of saying, hey, you know, right, get right. Get, get that player that, that's really good with, with fields. That's that's an extreme luxury pick at this point for me. Uh good player, but right now you don't really need him. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, the DJ Moore being in that trade really pushed our depth chart down uh, and I think helps a lot with you don't have to you don't have to grab a wide receiver early there's a lot of names that are going through the chat now at, at receiver I think it's Ford Wheaton or Wheaton Ford uh, West Virginia is who Triple R is talking about uh, Barelissimo is talking about a guy named Matt Landers from Arkansas whom I don't know a whole lot about uh, Jonathan Mingo was brought up he's a guy that I like a lot uh, I think you can maybe get him in the third round, maybe, or maybe one of those later second round picks. Uh, I like his size a lot. He did. He looked really good against Kentucky. I'm not gonna lie, um, but I mean, again, we've touched, uh, we've touched on it before. I'm, I'm a biased guy. I, I, that's the games that I watch. So, uh, but yeah, I do like Mingo. He's got size and speed and uh, pretty good route running ability. Um, Lane Kiffin's offense down there at Ole Miss, they just they just do work. Uh, his ceiling, from what I've – I'll let you – Jordan, I'll let you touch on JSN after I finish. But uh, Jonathan Mingo's ceiling, according to draft experts, is A.J. Brown, which, I mean, <laughs> how can you argue with that? But but then again, who knows what his floor could be, you know? The, the Mingo one saddens me a bit because, I mean, I'm not – Look, everybody's got their their time to take flowers. I'm promise I'm not trying to just get my flowers here, but I feel like I was repping Mingo months ago, especially like I remember being out with uh, you know friend of friend of the friend of the pod uh, Swift Sports Network during one of his like Senior Bowl live streams, and I'm over here talking about Mingo, and uh, I was like, "Ooh, this is a nice steal if the Bears can find a way to get him in the third. You know, please, people keep sleeping on the guy." 
And unfortunately <laughs> now it's, um, you know, we were sent end of the second and maybe you're right. I mean, people are now mocking him at the end of the first uh, yeah. because I, some of that is you, you don't, you don't find 220 pound receivers that move that way. And like, some of it can be seen as a negative. Like, yeah, I mean, for those that aren't familiar, like AJ Brown this year exploded because he was used in a different way. But when he first got to Tennessee, he was used a lot on, you know, kind of what do you want to call it? Like moving routes. So can we get him in motion on a slant where when the ball's hitting him, he's already in space, he's moving, he's already got the speed built up. Can we get him a screen where he's got plenty of blockers in front of him so he can build up some speed before he has to deal with contact? And he was used in a much more limited role, but it was worked effectively. And then this year when he got to Philadelphia, they just started going. He he, he put on his Batman cape. He likes to call himself Batman. He was like, look, just throw it up to me, Jalen, and watch me moss these dudes. Because right. I'm 220 and I'm more muscular and beastie than all these other DBs. And I think that that package is why – and some of this is – I don't mean it to sound like lazy scouting, but, you know, somebody's talking about Bryce Ford Wheaton and – you know, I can't help but go, oh, you mean like Kevin White? Because it's like that same yeah. guy, speed and tall and skinny. And mm. yes, it sounds like I'm helmet scouting because they're both West Virginia. And I'm not even trying to helmet scout because Mingo does look like A.J. Brown. And that's not not saying he is. But when you look at these universities, it's not lazy. It's them going, uh, you know. It works with this guy. Let's try and get someone with those same They had Aaron Donald. They had a smaller defensive tackle that was disruptive. And they went back to the well and found a way to recruit a guy that could do the same. And that's the same right. thing with Mingo and Brown. Um, and so DK Mingo, even for that. For that yeah. Man. Mingo's a guy that I love. I just – let me put it this way. And George was saying, like, take Landers in the sixth. Yeah, I mean, I'm with it. Like, you want to take somebody late. I just – whether it's – I don't – and I love Cedric Tillman. Love Tillman. Yeah. I don't care who it is. I just don't want you taking him in the first three to four rounds. Only because I do you want to take a tight end, take a tight end in the second. I'm all with it. It's just to me, I don't want to cannibalize the position. I so J, I mean, we'll get to JSN, but any receiver, plug any name you want in. Where do I put him? And if right. I do, and if I do put him, then I'm screwing over my 32nd overall pick, or I'm screwing over the guy that presumably deserves a contract for his first three years of being playing in Chicago with Darnell Mooney. Cause I'm damn sure not screwing over my first round, my DJ Moore acquisition, the guy I'm going to build my offense around. So it doesn't matter if it's Mingo, if it's Tillman, if it's Hyatt, if it's JSN, if it's flowers, if it's downs, they just don't fit. If you put mm -hmm. them in, you're screwing over one of your already vested assets and the team has a lot of other needs. Ryan Poles has spent a ton of money and investment on that room. I don't see where that where a wide receiver fits. The reason I bring up a tight end is tight ends are cheaper. You don't Tanyan is fine, but he's not, you know, not here beyond a year deal. And right. you've got other opportunities to put players there at tight end. And you can still weaponize it in a way that you're not cannibalizing your wide receiver room. Uh, and then specific to JSN, I won't really entertain it much more than just saying, I hope he proves me wrong. I think he's going to be an awesome, productive player. Um, the Amon Ross St. Brown comp isn't bad. The Keenan Allen comp isn't bad. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I can shoot out a couple of other names, but he will be productive. He will yeah. probably have eight, 900 yards as a rookie and catch a lot of balls and have a decent amount of touchdowns. But to Chris's point of, you know, pairing them with the college receiver, he's not Jamar Chase. He's not Jalen Waddle. He's not, um, there's, there's no, 
there's no ex- extraordinary traits with him. His best trait is route running and nuance in the route running, which is important. It's super important. Getting open, I get it. But he's I, – I, maybe he can play outside of the slot. There was no chance for him to show that at the time that he was OSU. And to Chris's point about like pairing a college receiver with your quarterback, I think that those guys are already gone. That was Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave much more than it ever was. Yep. Jackson and Jigba. Um, and this is like, you know, Hart Foundation is going like, is he Olave even? Yeah, it's interesting. You've heard Olave and Garrett Wilson say that he's better, the best receiver out of him. And maybe he is. Like I said, I'm not here to knock the guy. His route running is incredible. He's going to get open. But to me, I can get that guy in later rounds. Like, you know, Wes Walker was pretty good at getting open and yeah. playing in the slot and doing that. Amon Rob St. Brown was a fourth round pick. Cooper uh, Cup may be the best receiver in the league, and he's yeah. a third rounder, right? Emmanuel Sanders. Like, you can get that guy yeah. at later rounds, later options, and that's not even taking to the fact that you're going to kill your wide receiver room for what it is. So I love JSN. I mean, I'm hoping and praying the Packers don't take him. I had the, Pack- I had the Packers select him in my mock because, I look, I know they don't take wide receivers in the first, and they have a very specific type, but he has the weight that fits their type, and they have a new quarterback that they do need to surround with talent, mm-hmm. and he is a slot-only player, and – Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs are not going to play in the slot. So there's just like a big vacancy uh, that is like has three letters assigned to it for JSN and Green Bay. Um, and I hope that doesn't happen. But I think they'll go O-line in the first round. You know, maybe. Um, so, you know, it's it's just one of those things that – I mean, Cornelius Walls put up a good one, like Charlie Jones of Purdue. That is mm. the same type of player. Like this mm. is what I'm talking about is there's just – there's I can get those guys later. So – I won't really entertain it more than that than just saying it doesn't make a lot of sense for all the different reasons I've listed. And, um, I hope I wish JSN the best. I think he'll be a productive player, but he's not. He's not the next superstar. Saint <laughs> Omni said other teams find wide receivers. The Bears don't. <laughs> he, he definitely has a point. What was the one wide receiver that we had found before Darnell Mooney? Alshon uh, Jeffrey. Usually- we usually don't find them, KB. We, we have to we have to trade or acquire them. Moose and Brandon Marshall, DJ Moore. Yeah. You got to let other people. Uh, I did want to bring up, uh, Jordan, you mentioned Mooney there and Claypool and Valus. Uh, Claypool and Valus are Poles guys, but Mooney is not. As much as I love Mooney, I have his jersey. Would they talked about this when the Bears had the number one overall pick. Do they move on because he's not a Poles guy? Do they grab a quarterback? Do you? I mean, you know, you know what's hard. funny is maybe AC, but I'll take. I, I'm not, and I'm not even the biggest Ryan Poles like supporter. I, not that I dislike the guy, but I've I've had plenty of qualms the way he's built a team. But I will give him credit on one thing. I genuinely think, for the most part, he speaks the truth to his own credit and to his own detriment. Like for the most part, anything you've ever heard him say, he's usually followed up with it. And until he proves otherwise, I have every reason to believe that what he says is his word is gold. And I find it interesting that he is, in my opinion, gushed more about Darnell Mooney and Colt Komet than he ever even has Justin Fields. That's not like a – I'm not trying to stir controversy about like Justin Fields on the way out or anything. You saw that with the fact that he traded the number one pick. I'm just saying that on a level of like who have you heard the GM gush about? More like most to me, the two names that come up immediately are Dar- Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Um, he's talked nicely about Justin, said Justin's got good work ethic, so is Eberflus. But I almost think, in some ways, too, that doesn't need to be said that your quarterback, you know what you're getting. I'm um, that guy, but 
I mean, the first, correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody in the chat or any of you three feel differently, but I remember the first positive thing he ever said when he got in the building was, yeah, Darnell Mooney came to my office and we had a super long conversation and he's a hard worker. And I think some of that pays off too. Like for, for what it's worth, I know he didn't have a wonderful year. He was basically alone in that wide receiver room. There was nobody else but him and he was still putting it up. Like, I mean, you got to give that man his roses. And I'm not, for what it's worth, I'm not even telling him like the biggest Darnell Mooney fan. I've always said he's a wide receiver too, not a one, but mm -hmm. I watched, he's not a big dude. And I watched him in the Vikings game moss somebody like that should not happen. Um, and yes, he's had his issues. I know the Washington game, he dropped the pass at the end. And, but to me, I just tend to answer your question, AC. I tend to think that I, there's, there's proof that he worked, he's worked in Nagy system. He's worked a little bit in Getsy system. He's a hard worker. He's a good success story. Uh, homegrown in Chicago seems to be a hard worker, jugs machine in the house, all that stuff. That if you were to ask me, who do I think probably stands the best chance of re-signing re in that wide receiver room? I know it seems like Claypool's his guy, but Claypool is still going to prove everything. Right. Mooney's been there and has shown it for years now, and I tend to think, and if anything, I think that he may get a little bit of a discount on Mooney coming off the foot injury and the fact that you're no, he's no longer spotlighting, or he's spotlighting more than being the star player on that wide receiver room. Right. So they're going to build that offense yeah. around DJ Moore. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up while we were on the subject. Oh, yeah. KB, you've been patiently waiting about a draft prospect that you are uh, so, about to erupt like a volcano about. So Please. This is this is this it's not even about me just erupting about it because I I I purpose this by saying this full full disclosure. I don't want them to draft the dude, but if we're going BPA. And by being the best player at his position and it helping, it makes sense. And it kills me when people say it doesn't make sense because all oh, the Bears had a top flight Russian offense. No, we didn't. I'm, I'm going to tell people this now. The Bears offense rushing wise looked good because of Justin Fields. Let's stop the bullshit. Like we had thousand yard rushers at running back. Yeah, Mooney was hurt. I mean, not Mooney, Herbert was hurt. You had you had my man's uh why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh Montgomery was was honestly being phased out at one point because Herbert was taking over the load. Huh. So this brings me to this. And like I said, I'm not saying we should draft him in the, <laughs> at all, but when people tell me the Bears has such a good running offense, it's because of Justin fucking Fields. It's not because the running backs we had. If B. John Robinson ever had a chance at being with the fucking Bears and we were a complete team, B. John Robinson would be an absolute fucking guy for me. I would I would stop everybody and say, I'm taking him. I'm a running back by my fucking trade. I hate this whole conversation that running backs throw away positions. Fuck y'all. Because at the end of the day, if Saquon Barkley made it out of the fucking New York Giants, I guarantee you the Bears would have thrown money at him to get him. I guarantee you I put my fucking stake of my name on that. I bet you money he would be in this building because the first thing I bet Paul's looked at and said is I cannot let Fields get hurt running the fucking ball. The man yeah. rushed over a thousand yards. You take that away. Our offense was shit. Shit. Yeah. So all these people that say, oh, well, you know, well, the Bears had this great rushing attack. The great, the rushing attack was great because of Justin Fields. Let's stop the cap. And it wasn't on fucking design runs mostly. It was on this man scrambling for his life. I take off. I'm faster than everybody. Like my man said on the fucking game, 
Globo Jim, I'm a better athlete than you. That's Justin Fields. <laughs> so if you were to tell me I can draft Bijan Robinson, I would right now I would love to have Bijan in his office. I really would. But that's a luxury, luxury, luxury pick. It's a luxury, luxury pick. But at the end of the day, that man would save Justin Fields from getting hurt from running the damn ball because you wouldn't expect this man to always get the ball. The man can catch the pass. He can run the ball. He's Booby Miles. He, he's, he's there's an I and T because you put the I before team and, and that's B. John Robinson. God damn it. I, that's, that's how I feel about this shit, bro. I, I get so fucking angry when people sit there and tell me that this is such a great goddamn running team. We're not that damn great to run the ball. It was just the fields. It was just the fields. That's that's well, it. That's all. I like bro, I, I, I get I get annoyed by it because like I said, I play running back, bro. I, I I hate I hate when you when I hear it's such a throwaway position, but year after year after year after year we get told what we don't have anybody at the running back position that can hit a home run. Why? It's because we're constantly drafting people that are oh well he can break a couple tackles and he can get us a couple yards. I love David Montgomery. I will sit here and tell you this all blue in the face. The man was not a home run hitter. Yeah. As much as we love David Montgomery, nobody will ever sit there and say, "Oh, well, you know, David Montgomery took that 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 run from the thirty yard line and was gone." That's not him. That's yeah. not. Then I, I see I see Shorty saying that you know what I'm saying Herbert ran the shadow ball. What was the knock on Herbert? Herbert is what uh-huh. he's not a complete running back. Herbert sucked. You know, say Herbert is is. Is not the goddamn guy to keep in the backfield to pa- block on pass plays. He couldn't. He he wasn't there for that yet. This is this is all I'm saying. I'm not, and I'm not sitting here saying we need to draft Bijan Robinson. I'm telling y'all flat out, bro. With it's a luxury pick. I said flat out, I would love to see the first four picks be trenches, both sides. Yeah. But the thing I am not going to sit here and say is that the Bears had this great rushing attack because the rushing attack came from Justin fucking Fields. Look at the yardage. Over 1,100 yards from a quarterback. If you're telling me that you're okay with him doing that again next year, you're going to be looking at the fact that at some point we might be picking this kid up off the fucking ground because he's he's been destroyed. Hmm. And you can see the toll it took on him. It's 17 games now, people. What he he told us flat out during the Detroit game when he ran out of steam, I was tired. Yeah. And then the next play, you see you see the effect. The man is carrying a fucking team. I like I said, I I look at the, I'm looking at the tea leaves. I said it before. I believe Saquon Barkley would have been on this damn team if he did not get franchise tag. I absolutely one thousand percent believe that. I believe they would have thrown that man the money because they would have looked at it as this is before DJ Moore trade came out. This is before that kid was on the team. They probably looked at that and said, you know what? The person right now I believe that could really help Justin Fields would be Saquon. Because guess what? Saquon can get open, fucking running back, bubble out the out the backfield. You can dump it off to him and he can make 10 people miss. But guess what Saquon can do? He can hit his head on the fucking goalpost from a 10. Then nobody can catch him. That, 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 that's uh, just not that's a, well, I seen him get caught before. I right, look, look, I'm not I'm not gonna cap. He was caught a few times. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, there's there's a threat of Saquon scoring when Saquon gets the ball. I you I've seen it. You the man gets the ball and he you the air is sucked out the stadium. You holding your breath because you're waiting for something amazing to happen, and that's how I feel with Bijan Robinson. He gets the ball, you wait for something amazing to happen. The kid's fucking amazing. But 
I can say I I was just stirred up because you know the report came out that you know the bear the people shouldn't be sleeping on Bijan at nine and blah blah. I look bu- bullshit to me. I'm calling bullshit because we need so much help during the transition. But the one player who I absolutely believe in the skill position sense that can help Fields today would be fucking Bijan Robinson because it takes the onus on that man having to run the fucking ball. It would it would pretty much stack the box, and with the three wide receivers that we have right now, I, I would love to see somebody stack the box and sit there and say, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna guard DJ Moore." I guarantee you, shit wouldn't happen. Yeah. So, hey, hey, look, I know. Hey, look, I came off a little hot. I, I look, I was just I was just pissed off because you see so many. Hey. Oh, Bijan Robinson. Oh, yeah. well, the offense is already good. Blah blah blah. Shut that shit up, please. Yeah, Shut yeah, that shit yeah, up. Kevin, you know I love you, man, but he was my guy who I was going to talk about. You've absolutely said everything I was going to say about the guy, man, so uh, <laughs> you've really fucked my segment up. So the only <laughs> thing I can like say, bro, I, I just had to get it out because I, I, I get fired up about that, bro. I don't know how passionate you are, Kirby. I thought, I can't stop this man in his full flow of passion for this running back. But the, the only sort of sort of two of the guys I was thinking about were two cornerbacks. Uh, Devin with a smooth from Illinois, so local, and a cornerback from Oregon, Christian Gonzalez. So they're yep. the only other two sort of positions I look at thus. I keep hearing that, you know, uh, cornerback is going to be quite high there, thinking from sort of there in shows. So uh, I don't know if you can like, add any more to them uh, cornerbacks at all, uh, Jordan. I'm sorry, Chris. The talk okay, about the corners there. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'll wax a little yeah, bit. <laughs> At this point, I laugh because it's like you're just serving me plates of food because I'm like, this, this is what I do, guys. I, I love talking draft. And at this point, my board's already kind of solidified for the most part. Um, Christian Gonzalez is – he is – it's it's weird because Kyler Gordon to me was a tier two corner last year, not in a bad way. Um, just like he was the one of the top names at that second tier. Uh, and to me, Christian Gonzalez is everything that Kyler Gordon is but better, uh, more refined. They're both – they're both just freaky athletes. Like I, I like to joke that Christian Gonzalez lubes up and oils up his hips before every game because he's over there dancing salsa with people as he's guarding receivers. Like it's just his ability to flip the hips and match receivers is wild. Um, still has some work to do, but as far as an athlete, um, he's exceptional. I think he can play the catch point a little better, uh, but comes from a family full of athletic all-stars. Um, from dad played basketball, I think overseas and his sisters are track stars. Uh, so that's him. And that to, I, he's not my number one corner, but I think that he would be the corner that Ryan Poles would, you know, fall over himself for. Um, and I don't think it would happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. Like he talks about taking value positions and it, the only way I think it happens if he doesn't like Jalen Johnson, if he's like, Hey, cause you've heard Jalen Johnson already say they've talked contracts. And maybe he gets the sense from Jalen Johnson that this is another Roquan where I'm just not going to be able to get him to a price I'm willing to pay. And so we've got one more year with Jalen, and i got to start gearing up for the next one, and it's better to get a corner to get some experience now. Maybe. Maybe it happens. Um, so that's the Christian Christian Gonzalez. I almost said Christian Watson, not a receiver. Uh, that's the Christian Gonzalez uh, corner uh, breakdown. The other ones are Devin Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon is probably my favorite watch um, from the corners. 
it's just very seldom that you see a corner that's like he's a I, I shouldn't I'll try to change the word. I was gonna say he's a thug and that comes across negative, but like it's not negative. It's just he's a bully. He's a, a cult, like he's a he's a silver bully. He likes to hit people. <laughs> I, I love it. I like how do you not love that? Yeah. Um his long speed now he ran better than I thought he would, so I'm happy about that. His long speed isn't like what I, I think is his calling card, but I so I don't think he's that guy, but he is sudden and he's physical. Like he's, I don't, I don't remember his, his measurables off the top of my head, but he's not, he's sub six foot. Um, he's a lighter guy, but he's got the mentality that he's Joey Porter jr. Which we're going to get to in a second. That he's six to two He's coming downhill. He's going to light you up. Um, he is instinctive. So to me, I totally get the Devin Witherspoon hype. I like him. Um, he's still not my, my top corner. Um, which we're going to get to because that's Joey Porter. But I actually think that the Lions are likely going to take Witherspoon. They just shipped off Okuda. Um, they could go Gonzalez, but I think that when you talk about, you know, Motor City Dan Campbell, yeah. I think that he he and Aaron Glenn are just salivating at the bit. Like Witherspoon is our type of guy. And they got some intel with Kirby Joseph there who's going to tell them all about Witherspoon. Um, so to me, Witherspoon is that guy. Love love the player. Um, and then with to to the last one to kind of wrap up, and if you have any more, Chris, that you want me to talk about, I will. But um, Joey Porter Jr. is the other one that comes up a lot. And to me, he's my cornerback one, has been for months. Um, he's not everybody's cup of tea. I He's not the shiftiest. He's a bigger corner. Uh, but I've comped him to Namdi Asamoah, uh, Jalen Ramsey type, where he's just going to body you, and he's got, he's got condor arms. He's got super long arms, wingspan, um, that – He's fluid enough, has good enough speed that when he's beat, he's not beat because he finds a way to stay in the hip pocket of most receivers. And even if the ball's placed well enough, he's got these long arms to sit there and just bat it out. Um, so to me, he's got the length, the measurables that you're looking for, knows what an NFL life is because his father was Joey Porter Sr. Um, doesn't quite play with the same mentality, but uh, in the sense of physicality is probably the right way to put it. But as far as mentality, I mean – like, you know, I, I, I was having a nice talk with uh, Nick over from CHGO as he was posting up Charlie Jones from Purdue, who we've talked about, who was kind of working Joey Porter a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, well, Joey Porter is not going to play well against the shiftiest wide receivers. Like, let me be clear. JSN would eat Joey Porter's lunch up every rep for the most part. But that's not what I'm asking Joey Porter to do. I like man corners, press corners. Because I call it cat coverage. Like when everything else fails, you just cover that cat and you cover that cat and you cover that cat. So we play man coverage and I'm putting Joey Porter against the best of the best every rep. And I feel confident that he's going to lock it down. And I mean, look no further than, than Marvin Harrison this year. Marvin Harrison Jr., top receiver from OSU, probably going to be a top five pick. Sure, let me let me save the time for the people that are just going to box score scout because, yes, the Ohio State-Penn State game, Marvin Harrison had a fantastic game. If you go watch the film, he started off against Joey Porter, and Joey Porter put the clamps on that ass and locked him up to the point that Marvin Harrison had to go to the other side and try to get some work in because it wasn't happening against Joey Porter Jr. So to me, that's enough. I mean, that's just a game, and this is, goes on before last year when I thought Joey Porter was going to come out, and I was hoping the Bears would take him. But to me, Joey Porter's my top corner, and if you just want like a synapse of why is – why is that the case? Go watch him play against Marvin Harrison Jr. for the few reps that he got. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is legit bona fide. And even right. Marvin Harrison had to That's go. That's what I want next year. <laughs> yeah. And Marvin Harrison Jr. had to go, you know, I, 
guys, can you, can you, whether it was him or Brian Hartline or the coaches, I need to get away from Joey Porter because I just can't do anything against this guy. And that says all I need to hear about it. So as an outside corner, that's the guy I want. Well, I like Christian Gonzalez a lot. He's really fast. Um, He, I don't know his numbers, but I don't think he had a ton of ball skills, like taking takeaways and stuff like no. that. No, um, I like Devin Witherspoon for his tenacity, just like you said, Jordan, where he – you don't find corners that want to tackle. Yeah. Like Deion Sanders was my favorite player as a kid. He didn't want to tackle fucking nobody, no. though. No. <laughs> you know, and uh, and Devin Witherspoon is the exact opposite of that. He wants to get in your face and hit you and 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 let you know he's there, let you know he's there all day. Uh, and corners definitely know how to talk. <laughs> if anyone ever played football, corners were the biggest shit talkers that I that I knew on the team. <laughs> I mean, the ball gets overthrown by 10 yards, and they're doing this and throwing up oh, the eggs. And <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, yeah. he's got- I did that. No, you didn't. <laughs> He's got Josh Norman's mentality, but without all the rah-rah with it. Oh, and okay. that's, that's what you love to see. Like, yeah, it's just, man, Witherspoon, I, whoever gets him is getting a baller. Uh, now, again, I don't I, – my biggest concern with Witherspoon is the size. It's just a different game in the NFL, and, like, right. I love I love that he throws his shoulder into everybody. But I'm like, we got to we gotta learn to, to, to fall on the sword a little bit here. Because you you try to put that that shoulder into Komet or one of these linemen coming out on the corner. Well, we saw it with Kyle Fuller a lot. He would try to throw a shoulder and and the guy yep. would break the tackle. And next thing you know, you got Eddie Jackson way down the field trying to make the tackle. And like, it's just T Higgins or Tyler Boyd. Go ahead and try that on one of them and let's see how that shoulder works. So like, yeah, I he's got some room to learn, just like Gonzalez does and just like Porter does. But to me, I think when we're talking about and this is a very long discussion. So I won't get into it, but when you're talking about evaluation, you're trying to thread a very tight needle about what am I getting now? And right. what am I getting as a projection? And that's kind of the, well, we talked a lot about that already. Like, Will Anderson, is he maxed out? Lucas Van Ness, is he a, you know, a puppy dog? Is he still got room to grow, but does he have a reliable calling card? Skaronsky, mm-hmm. does he have versatility? Like we've talked a lot about this. And to me, with respect to your answer, Chris, about the corners, is I'm trying to thread that needle of what am I getting today with what am I getting in the future? And to me, it's easiest to project Joey Porter and what his role is and how solid he's going to be as an outside corner. And then watching him further refine his skill. I don't necessarily ever think he's going to move to nickel and cover the shiftiest guys. Right. But really the only concern I have with Porter, who's my top corner is run support. Um, I think Mm. that he could, it's total opposite of Witherspoon. Witherspoon's like hungry to get into a scrap. Um, Porter's not necessarily that way. Not that he's afraid of contact, but he's not looking for it, Um, which is you're talking about AC is very typical of corners. That's why they're corners. Like I'm out here in the boundary. I don't want, I don't want that trouble. I don't want that problem. Uh, (laughs) If I wanted that, I'd be safety, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so that's what, that's what Porter is. Um, So maybe he gets a little better than that, but as far as just, because again, when, and this is why like I, I, I think if he makes it to the Patriots, like Patriots to me, it's Van S or it's Porter. And that's about it. Because to yeah. me, like I know Bill Belichick in the sense of what they run. And this to me is the basic bare bones of defense. When it all goes to shit, what do we do? We just play yeah. man coverage. You just lock your guy up. And there's yeah. no better guy in the class at locking a guy up than Joey Porter. It's just how I feel. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, how, how good he is in man to man coverage. He does have, Zero interceptions this year, though, so that's a concern. They don't and throw it. A lot of, well, a lot of people that are talk about 
re-signing Jalen Johnson or not, the biggest reason why we might get a discount or something is his his you know is is bald. You know, he just doesn't have a lot of picks and stuff. So neither uh, did Darrell Reeves. Well, that's even a nuanced conversation <laughs> we don't have to totally get into. But I get I get the desire for ball production, and I'm look. I'm just trying to speak facts here, and like I said, we don't have to get into it deeply, but. Ball production usually happens with a lot of big plays. Also, like you, you play the you play the risk, you play the reward. Like like, uh, like Diggs, yeah, Jamal Diggs. Right. Sure. A lot, a lot of interceptions, and found a way to to still give up a lot of yards. And I mean, whether it's I mean, you have occasional like Revis and Sherman, some of those older guys, Pat Sertan, the the first, you know, Samari Roll. Some of those guys were able to get some ball production in ways that uh, they didn't give out a lot. But for the most part, in today's league, was so passing heavy. If you want the guy that's finding a way to snag six, seven interceptions a year, he's also given up big plays. And it's a preference thing. I've never had a problem with Jalen Johnson for the most part because he just gets the job done. It's not a very pretty game, but you don't – I never truly – and the A.J. Brown game is the one that's just like burned in my brain, and I love it. Jalen took a loss that game. Let me be very clear. But he went up, you know, sacked up and said, I'm going to play Batman today, and we're going to fight all single game. And I'm not going to get embarrassed. Like, yeah, AJ Brown had plenty of good plays and won that battle that day. But for yeah. the most part, even against the elite receivers, I just know that Jalen Johnson's going to going to make it happen. He's not going to get embarrassed. He's not going to get burnt. If he's going to get anything caught on him, it's going to be well earned by the receiver. He's going to get up, rinse it off, forget the last play, and just keep fighting. Like right. that to me is a preferencing. That's my type of corner. Doesn't mean it has to be somebody that's aware of the interceptions. To your point, AC, and that's not a negative thing either. That's just perception. Well, how playing you devil, devil's advocate on these yep. on these prospects, what mm-hmm. what fans are going to say when whomever we do draft, they're going to hear the negatives first. Like typically, unless yep. it's like a you know Trevor Lawrence when he was drafted, of course. Well, everybody, and, and not that we had to totally sum it up this way, but I mean, it's kind of something we've been dancing around all show that we haven't really talked too much about, but KB said it. And I mean, I just, uh, you know, poke a little bit or cajole like people like George and others in the chat, but there is no perfect prospect. There really oh, yeah. is every Skaronsky's about as perfect as it gets. Well, his arms aren't quite big, you know, are, are quite long enough. Jalen Carter's pretty amazing. Yeah. But he's got the off the field issues. Yeah, Levis is pretty cool. Yeah, but he's eating bananas, you know, with, with the peel on and, and putting mayo in his coffee. Like, it's – Bryce Young's freaking amazing. Yeah, but he's short. Uh, Joey Porter's awesome. Yeah, but he can't play slot. Robinson Robinson's good, but he's running back. Like, you can, right, go, right. you can go through every single player and be like, this just isn't it. Um, so, to me, I, I'm with it, AC. Like, totally fair to talk about the negatives. I don't mind ever addressing them. Let's not run from them. But I come from a world of, like, just tell me what the guy can do. Don't tell me what he can't do because I'm I'm focused on how can I make this guy successful? Because if we're just focused on what he can't do, I got news for everybody. Every single player has a I can't do this. Because if they didn't, right. they'd be a perfect prospect. And we everybody would be trying to trade up for the first pick. So right. It's kind of how it works. That's true. Um I, I mean, I I think we've covered almost everything other than I mean, we've even we even threw a running back in there, uh KB. <laughs> um my question about, and I didn't get to touch on this before we jump to corner uh, with running back, is I just feel like it's so high to pick a guy, even if Bijan Robinson is oh, most definitely uh, Saquon Barkley. Like you know, Saquon is for as good as he is, he's had injury concerns and he hasn't really led the Giants to anything, uh, which is why I think they franchise tagged him and 
What's he? What's he done, KB? I, I feel like this. I I they feel like when back last year. I was gonna say it's, you have an offense right now of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I think most people, probably about ninety nine percent of people, would say we need to stop Saquon because we're not worried about Daniel Jones unless he runs the ball. So you geared up to take down Saquon Barkley. That's kind of the thing with the Giants. You have to stop Saquon because we would rather <laughs> deal with Daniel Jones than that man. Right. Look, uh, and that's, I, I that's take, my thing. I take no pride in this, but KB, I know, is going to back me on this. Again, I take no pride because I love Brisker. Brisker got played oh, numerous God, yes. times. And the only reason he got played by Daniel Jones and the reason why Daniel Jones was able to run so much is exactly what you're saying, KB. Is that we're going to fake the ball to Saquon. Everybody's going to flow to Saquon because they understand this is a priority. We have to stop him before we stop Daniel. And then Daniel gets to just wheel out on the back end, and everybody's <laughs> flowing this way. And I mean, I, I, AC, I love you playing devil's advocate because I'm not against it. I understand and exactly. I have plenty to say about running backs, but to me, um, I do have to agree with KB. Like, what has he done? No, he's been hurt, and he had a great rookie year, and then he was hurt, and he dealt mm-hmm. with plenty of shit with Joe Judge and everything else that was going on in that dysfunctional couple years of the Giants. But as far as last year, they they squeezed every every ounce of blood out of that stone. Of that oh team. God, yes. And a lot of it was through Saquon. It was built through Saquon because they didn't have any receivers. Their tight end was a rookie fourth rounder. Like, hey, who's your best receiving weapon? Oh, the fourth round tight end. So it was literally the Saquon show. And then Daniel, can you make something happen with your legs on the back end? That was that was the offense. So. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, I'll just say this very brief because I know I, I love, by the way, I freaking love that we got two former running backs, um, at some level on the show. Cause I, I mean, I was, I was never that, that guy. I'm too big for that, but love running backs. I played fullback. That was the closest I ever got to it. Um, and to me, running backs are, are, it's a nuanced conversation. And I'll just say this, KB, because I think we could probably find common ground on it. I like Bijan, by the way. Bijan, to me, my, my comp to him is Curtis Martin. It has been for a while. I don't think okay. – unless you, you're an old head, you don't remember Curtis Martin, but Curtis, yeah, Martin, Curtis is Martin was a dog with the Jets. Amazing. That, that's who I see Bijan as. And so I don't think it's going to happen. As you said, it's a luxury pick. There's other needs. But whoever gets Bijan is going to be a very happy team. Um, to me, Herbert, Montgomery, you're right, KB. All of them have some asterisk about they just don't have this part. As we've been talking about, no yeah, nobody, and Nobody does. Yeah. But the difference here, and this is where I'm going to fight back on people devaluing running backs, is that running backs in Montgomery, Herbert, uh, Chris Carson, I mean, you name any of those mid-round guys, they are eight, maybe nine-tenths sometimes of the special ones. They're most of them. But that is truly what separates them. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson – LaDainian Tomlinson from yesteryear. I mean, these guys that are true top, top, top picks. I know Leonard Fournette's a unique one, but Leonard Fournette, by the way, let's not forget about playoff. He was a Lenny. monster at LSU. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not forget about playoff Lenny when he was driving the Bucks there. So yeah. when you have a special running back, there is nothing quite like it. You can replicate, you can imitate with an eight tenths or a nine tenths of this guy. But Christian McCaffrey is a perfect example. And yes, you want to talk about like running backs where health has been an issue. Christian McCaffrey churned that San Francisco offense. He was the yeah. straw that stirred the drink when he got there. Yeah. It was all right. It was kind of working. But then as soon as you had to account for Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and McCaffrey, yeah, explosion. You don't want and a part of it. That's what a running back adds. And the truth is, is that you don't get that when you're adding a middle round running back. 
But when you have one of those ones that you're investing a first rounder in early second, those are the elite of the elite. The, I, I just think recently it's Nick Chubb, it's Jonathan Taylor, it's Brees Hall, it's McCaffrey, it's Josh Jacobs, it's Saquon Barkley. You don't always have to get them. And this is the point to KB is because it's been so devalued. It's not that Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor or Brees Hall shouldn't have been first round picks. It's that there's been this stigma that you yeah, just running don't backs. guys. But I mean, that's the point is if you're willing to spend a top 40 ish pick on a running back, when you identify the special ones, they're worth their weight in gold because of what they do to transform an offense. And we don't give them enough credit for that. And that, that that's its own issue to me. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to follow the conversation on the screen and the conversation in the chat. Uh, we've, Everyone's talking about what they're putting in their coffee now since we oh, talked no, about no. Levis. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I seen I seen Harfound. They said it's a boiler. She puts uh she you put slice of cheese in her coffee. I whoa <laughs> you, you guys maybe want to get me started on Levis because like AC knows how I feel about Levis, and it's weird because he's my he's my fourth quarterback, so it sounds like I'm super negative on it, but um and i'm not going to get into a whole war with people in the comments but all i would ask yeah, I'm, is i'm biased he's number two on yeah my board, well i'm just like <laughs> i'm just like i just wish people would all i'm asking is when you evaluate will levis and i know it's probably hard but when you evaluate will levis can you please take out his food consumption as part of the evaluation yeah. like yeah yeah it's weird i mean look i'm gonna be honest it's it's the, now nobody really remembers except apparently ac and myself that it was a joke about putting mayo in coffee oh yeah ac told me AC told me, so I was like, okay, you know, cool. But, like, maybe he does eat bananas all the time with the peel on, and that's weird. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> and the fact that he does put mayo in his coffee is weird. Like, I even if it's a joke, that's weird, dude. Don't do that. But let's be clear, that has nothing to do with the quarterbacking side of it. Right. And right. so we I can, mean, we all can this, joke All this shit, stuff but... comes out around draft time, you know, all, all these – Little like when when Mitch was drafted, and you know they found his tweet from 2015 or, or kissing or titties 2010 about loving to kiss titties. And I'm like, I mean, well, fuck me too. I, I mean, mean I, I love kissing titties. <laughs> I would imagine. I would. I'm gonna say I would imagine that every you know what I'm saying self-respecting man in the world would love to kiss titties. <laughs> it's 2023. That could be women doing it. Too, uh, right? Exactly. I mean, I like to know that Mitch was a human being. Thank you. That's even better when you go to the women. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's funny. I see that this whole conversation just going extremely left for a second. Yes. We're not going there. Oh man! So, I mean, the only thing we didn't really touch on was linebackers. I think we're pretty good at that position. No, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, again, if you guys have anything else you want to talk about, that's fine. But I think we've. I mean, I don't, and I appreciate it. Everybody's been so patient with me talking, but goddamn, I feel like I've given you all the deepest dive on oh, bro, this line, defensive line, oh, the top so quarters. <laughs> it's draft day, baby. I mean, draft time, baby. Jordan, this what we, this what we got you for, baby. I'm this what you talking about value of running backs. Like we, we've done it all. We're talking about the, the, the diet of quarterbacks. We've we've exhausted this. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll uh, Mr. Shorty's. He just does not like Levis. I like to have him on. Uh, he's talking That's about fine. his pro day. Listen, a lot of people want to talk about the pro day. I mean, look at him at at the combine when he was throwing to. He threw a perfect ball to Jalen Hyatt, who everyone loves. What Jalen oh, Hyatt? All about Jalen Hyatt, bro. Watched it hit the ground. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, I mean, we t- and and for anybody that's actually interested in 
a short but solid talk about Levis. AC and I, we did this last week at the start of the show, um, did a little talk about Levis. And um, I mean, like I said, I won't go super into it, but. Triple R said, "Where is Santos getting cut? Who y'all like a kicker? <laughs> where, where, where did that happen? When, when is this he's happen? Just, he's just he's trying to get us to talk about every position. I think oh, <laughs> Moody. <laughs> Shit, oh, Rabbi already put it. Moody. Yeah. God damn it, that's the only name. I don't care about nobody else. Michigan bias. <laughs> yeah, but no, um, I think it's yeah, it's been it's been uh all I'm gonna say with Levis is." Try to remove the diet from the evaluation and understand it. You don't, again, you evaluate how you want to evaluate audience. But to me, I just try to evaluate with nuance. Like yeah, CJ Stroud's yeah. awesome. CJ Stroud's also never played with a bad team. Yeah. And Levis, Levis looked pretty awesome when he played with quality people around him. Right. And then he got, you know, the equivalent of Matt Nagy at offensive coordinator and had the equivalent of what Justin I, – I, and I'm not even kidding. I think it was a worse offensive line than what Justin Fields was dealing with last year. Um, two, two different levels, but that's kind of what it was like is Levis was playing behind the Justin Fields offensive line. I mean, Kentucky – not to get off on a tangent here, but Kentucky's already – they moved from our center from last year. They moved him back out to guard. They moved one of our guards back into center. They went and got a transfer left tackle. They just got a commitment yesterday from the right tackle from USC, Jordan, your neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're rebuilding the offensive line through the through the transfer because it was not it was it wasn't good. I mean, we went into the year last year knowing that it was possibly not good, and it and, and, <laughs> we and, didn't work out the kinks. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and by the way, God forbid that my quarterback decides to play on a bum leg, a bum a bum foot. Where he's getting it shot up before the play, the, the games, and oh, a separated shoulder. Yeah, I mean yeah. that you know that guy's not worth his weight in gold yet. God forbid, you know, you draft him. Make sure he's a top, you know, seventy eight projection. Like it's it's just one of those things, man. Like I do whatever you want, but um, I'm not gonna not gonna shit on a guy that I think I in many ways. AC, let's put it this way, because you love your 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 UK quarterbacks or uh, UK. I'm, KU quarterbacks. I'm gonna continue to go university. I'm not a Kansas fan. Yeah. <laughs> you like your Kentucky quarterbacks. What I would say is this: I hope and pray he falls to a good team. I hope and pray he falls. I don't think he's going past the Colts. I think it was all a smoke screen and the all the I'll tell you what stuff. Started. I'll tell you what's a good spot. It's yeah. a good spot. Like you get a line just, in front of him, a couple yeah. of weapons. You mean you got you got Pittman, you got Pierce, you got Taylor. Like, yeah, I've all I want is and I want this for every quarterback. It's not just Will Levis, but I mean it just feels like man, everybody's dragged that dude through the cough through through the ground. And so it's like, all right, now he's starting to see a little rise. We're hearing about like Houston may take him at two, which I think that's bullshit, but I, I hope he lands somewhere where it's competent. And to well, me, well, he tested, and we talked about it. At, I don't know if we talked about it on air or not. The test numbers came out. CJ Stroud was in the 18th percentile. Levis was in the 90th percentile. Uh, uh, I think Bryce Young was in the 90th percentile. A lot of that has to do with reaction. It's a quick test. They want to see how well you react to stuff. And he did really well. And he has two years. Rather, I know this year didn't work out with. Rich Scangarello from San Francisco, but he has Matt two Nagy. years. Oh. He has two years no hearing uh NFL style offenses. He doesn't have to learn terminology when he gets to a pro team, which is 
a big thing that you'll see. Uh, Bryce Young probably does too because they have NFL guys there at Alabama. But C.J. Stroud is going to have to learn terminology. <clears throat> Anthony Richardson is going to have to learn terminology. Big time. Hendon Hooker, I know he's getting a lot of love, and I think he'll probably end up in the first round, probably like a Lamar Jackson type deal, or someone trades up into the back, or someone down there will grab him. But that Tennessee offense is spread wide open. I mean, your wide receivers are literally on this damn sideline, and they open it up like that, and he only has to read half the field on most plays. Arizona. So I mean, CJ Stroud. I'm, I'm, and I won't go too much even this, but like CJ Stroud's the one that worries me. I love CJ Stroud, local California Inland Empire kid. But I've, I mean, God, dog, you're gonna have to go from having the mountain of Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson and right uh, blocking for you. You're gonna have to lose, you know, Alave, Garrett Wilson, JSN, Marvin Harrison Jr. I, good luck, man. Like you are going from, you're going from first class to coach. Yeah. And I think this quarterback class will be better than a lot of people think, but uh, we'll just have to see. How, like you said, every prospect has questions. Bryce Young looks perfect, but if he was taking hits like Justin Fields last year, uh, yeah, yeah. he's going to be on IR. <laughs> turned to a fine pink mist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we've been on here two and a half hours now. Uh, I think we should close this thing out before we go on too far. My wife will probably be texting me wondering what's going Jordan on. Jordan got to get some sleep. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll go around the room and give our shout outs and, uh, and, and then I'll, I'll finish this off. I'll start with KB and we'll go this way. And I'll finish this out. Go like this. Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Oh man. Oh man. Good. Good. Good times getting on here. Uh, good times. I, I definitely had to get that that one part out. You know what I'm saying? It felt like a felt like a ghost sitting on my chest. You know what I'm saying? Got to got to exercise the demons. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but uh, man, shout out to everybody in the chat, man. Uh, there's a lot of folks in here, man. We it's all over the place this morning, talking about some of everything. We talking about condiments in your, in your coffee to why the hell we're wrong for thinking these players should go here or you know it's all over the place today i enjoy it man i love uh love everybody that's in the chat man uh you know what i'm saying getting on here with you guys it's therapeutic love being on here with y'all man they still going ethiopian coffee i ain't never had it bro it sounds good <laughs> as fuck, though. uh <laughs> uh you know what i'm saying y'all, y'all get on here you know what I'm saying my boy ac always holding it down man is just just like the the king on top of the mountain right now bro you you're doing your damn thing bro we love the hell out of you brother my boy c-dub getting on here just like you know what i'm saying just throwing these hey man you know i got this dude on my list i know i get on here and i tell you i don't know shit about these draft picks but i got some names it's my boy c-dub yeah. man putting in the work love the hell out of y'all and then like i said bro it's always a, it's always welcoming to have my boy jordan on here man because the just the the knowledge that this guy can fucking spit is crazy to me it's it's, it's, it's wild because i don't know shit about you know what i'm saying timmy that goes to west bumblefuck but that man right there in the corner does <laughs> you know he know he's seen that one game with that motherfucker you know what i'm saying my boy jordan puts in the work west you know bumblefuck what I'm <laughs> hey, you know what i'm saying i'm i i, I just love being on here hey man you know what i'm saying <laughs> well my, my dude i was gonna say just just a little a little little setback on that to stop my dude was like hey man it's a billings dude on there bro he can't remember name <laughs> shut up I don't, I mean, just, just shut up. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh it's it's always a pleasure with y'all boys, man. Uh, I this is this is one of my highlights of the week, man. I, I I just love getting on here on Sundays just talking ball. So love you boys, 
love everybody else is doing the damn thing. Aldo, man, y'all, you, you're also just a there's another mountain that you on that's above our mountain. Whatever, <laughs> we love you, Aldo, uh, <laughs> and all the shows and everybody, man. Shorty, I see him in the chat, man. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Nomad, all them boys, Dan Acquire, everybody just doing the damn thing, man. Love all y'all boys, man. Keep doing the damn thing. All right, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I mean, my mine is just sort of uh, it's such a fucking choice way of spending a Sunday afternoon for me and talk to the boys about you know one of my favorite passions in life is the Bears and it's always it's always nice to have you on, Jordan, because you know I don't follow college football as a rule, so you know you you, you put the information behind the nerve and the statistics. So I always uh, appreciate you getting up at the crack of dawn in LA and uh, and joining our show, KB. You know, just a fucking awesome dude as usual. Apart from you did you did nick my uh, running back part, you bastard. But apart from that, you know, I love you. Hey, I had I had that out in big letters. Oh, well, I that was an important part of my research today. But that running back, you just you just you just fucking get on it and just run with it. So, so, so I'll, anyway, I still love you, mate, and have a safe week, mate, as well. And there, see you, man. Always enjoy, enjoy speaking to the Southern gentlemen, and you, you run this, you're getting better running this show, mate. It's getting more and more slick, and uh, yeah, you know, I love uh, a chatting to you for like a couple hours. And yeah, thanks to everybody for chat, you know, you are. And uh, let's hope we have a fucking first good day at the draft, fellas, because uh, even I'm excited now, it's getting to that, that fucking tight time of the month, but it's uh, well, less than a week away from the draft. So uh, yeah, just thanks again for everybody, and I love you all. and. Uh, I'll pass it on to you, Jordan. Of course. Well, thank you, everybody. Chad, Cornelius, Ravi, Kevin, Shorty, uh, Renewable, George. I'm sure I'm missing Heart Foundation. I'm missing a few, but uh, we appreciate you all kind of hanging out. If I'm waking up my ass up at before six, 7 o'clock to get on the show, I'm glad you are as well, even if you're not in California. And uh, it's always enjoyable talking Chicago Bears. It's I, I guess if I can give a message to the chat and everybody, it's just be excited. This is uh, – I, it's not a bad thing, but like we're getting towards the end of hope season per se. You just you're starting to open the presents and see what it looks like, and there's good in that. You get to finally focus on oh, we got this guy, and I want to know everything about him. But for now, enjoy these last few days where it's mystery, it's excitement, it's intrigue. What's going to happen? And uh, the Bears are in a good spot to make some moves and, and improve the team. And hopefully, we're trusting in Ryan Poles to be able to do that, and navigate it. I think that uh, as Shorty says, biggest draft of our lifetimes. It's a big one. Um, and it's exciting times. This is really the Bears. They've hit rock bottom. They're now turning the corner and seeing how they can shoot up. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's exciting times. But and then to you, to you gentlemen, I always appreciate you allowing me to just talk and talk and talk and spew spew information. Uh, I know it's it's kind of like, oh, does this guy ever shut up with the motor mouth? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I appreciate you all, Chris, from across the pond. Uh, you were always a joy. I'm glad to have you back, and glad you're doing well, brother. KB. Mm-hmm. Um, you long live the running back. You keep you keep holding that. Long live running backs. Um, you know you tell everybody that that doesn't like running backs to go fuck themselves. Always. <laughs> and then and then AC, you're you're no damn Kansas fan. You're a Kentucky fan. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been it's always a, a blast, gentlemen. And I know that we're gonna have an exciting time in the future talking about you know I guess only one more of these. No, no more of these left actually until we get to talk about who's drafted. So, yeah, um, and then you know, yeah, if you're if you're here tuning in, I know the guys in the, in the you know I'm talking with right here already know it, but for the chat, 
Um, as we talk about Aldo, the the pod father, the guy that runs Barroom, um, he's got a big lineup this week for draft coverage. Uh, Barroom Network will be live each day of the draft. I believe it's John Buffon hosting on Thursday night, opening night of the draft, yep. with Neil Stopchinski and Danny Shimon, uh, as well as I believe Aldo will be there. I'm not sure. And then day two, I believe it's uh, Danny Shimon, myself, and Aldo kicking off day two. And then day three, I believe we're doing a little bit of a variety of people. I may hop on there for a little bit and have other people, but um, there's, yeah, there's, there's, and don't get me wrong. There's tons of places and I shout them out, but there's tons of places to watch good draft content, but if you're specific for um, the best top shelf bears draft content, you, you're in the right place. So just tune in, buckle in, strap up. Thank you everybody. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, shout out to you boys, KB, my guy, uh, the fireman coming in here after a big fight night last night. Uh, appreciate it. No more um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I love you, bro. You yeah, at your cousin about. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. I was going to get on that. I was going to get on that because uh, me and him talk. Uh, we, I, you know what I'm saying? We had, we had a couple of the little personal sides because uh, he was telling me where he was going to be staying at. And I was like, you know, that's traveling distance, bro. I can come visit. Uh, he is definitely on board with coming back on. Uh, he oh. said, "Is uh, he just said, let him know. So, you know what I'm saying? We could try to work around whatever schedule he has. But he said he is definitely down to come back on. That's awesome. We'll have to get with uh, Aldo, see if we can get him a barroom shirt. I know we don't have a <clears throat> swag shop anymore, but. Well, I don't know we if we get... have a uh, 5XL, you know, for that big buff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll figure it out. We'll get it, we'll get it done. We got to get him a barroom shirt. He can wear that in the locker room, maybe get us a little. Yeah. A couple of other guests. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta tell Andrew. We gotta get the pick of him in the Bears locker room, where the barroom shirt. He's got the sleeves cut off, so he's just flexing. Yeah. It. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll definitely get all that worked out. Um, it's awesome that he's a bear. I mean, yeah. when we had him on, it was just a dream. You know, we we, we kind of pitched <laughs> to him and recruited him, and and the fact like that the- he ended up signing is amazing. I like to think we put his big ass on the sled, all due respect, and we carried his ass. <laughs> like, you are not going anywhere. You will be a Chicago Bear, Andrew. <laughs> this is happening. And, he, and, and I, only KB knows, but I'm sure there were other offers. And oh I just, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna force myself to believe that he just channels back to that barroom interview. Going, those guys really <laughs> liked me. I'm gonna go be a Chicago Bear. Uh huh. Like I said, it was, it, was, it was some other offers on the table. It definitely was, but. We'll get all that worked out. My man C-Dub from across the pond, thank you for joining us this morning. Really missed you last week, brother. Uh, it was great to have you back. Uh, yes, like like KB said, you went and did some homework for us. We appreciate it. You had some names. And, uh, and, and, and I know you love oh, your Look at the pamphlet, boy, that you My man put pen to paper talking about some prospects. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course Jordan man like like go ahead Chris I would say it's not because I forget people's names like all players names after about but, ten seconds of God I'm like got like a goldfish memory when it comes to people's <laughs> names in general so that that that's how it's always been so I have to write stuff down I just won't fucking remember so uh, yeah but yeah cheers Nancy. <laughs> yeah yeah that's great and definitely Jordan man. I don't know how we would do the show without you. I mean, the, the the your knowledge, your vast knowledge of of draft prospects, like Chris said, I think at the start of the show, or maybe he said it before we got on. 
if we didn't have Jordan on here, it'd be a half hour show. It'd have been real quick. <laughs> I mean, we'd have had five or six guys to talk about and then have been over. So we definitely appreciate it. I know you talked about you talked about yourself as a a bit of a motor mouth, but we love it, man. I love I eat all that shit up, man. And and uh I I, I listen to all over, you know, I listen to the athletic football show to listen about prospects. I listen to Hogan Johns have done stuff. Uh and I love having your uh, perspective on prospects and you're not cookie cutter like everybody else like you said your your o-line ranks you've got you got them a little bit different than some other people and 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 you bring guys to the table that like kb said from from you're like I saw, I saw him play once or twice and uh, he did this and that and i'm like damn <laughs> <laughs> I have to get what Deswan Johnson Toledo. That's that's my Hingle Kringle Bumblefuck, but Deswan Johnson Toledo. You still know about that's what that's what you're talking about. I, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's that's great. So and I love coming on with you guys thing. every week. Um I, I guess I'll have to shoot out a message and make sure our time slots open for next week. But I plan on coming in and recapping the first three rounds and maybe talking about some guys that are available on day three that I know Jordan will have some information on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so we'll try to do that next Sunday. Definitely, just like Jordan said, just like, comment, subscribe, and everything here at the ballroom. We'll have a huge lineup for draft. After the draft, stay right here at the ballroom. We got Crosstown Crosstalk. We're talking baseball. Um, Science uh, fiction. Science fiction, where they talk about movies and stuff. What I was gonna say about the crosstown crosstalk, I've been trying to get Aldor to let me on there because there's an awful lot of White Sox bias, and your boy's a Cubs fan, so I gotta bring a little. I gotta bring a little North Side spice to it. It's called crosstown crosstalk, and there's not really a crosstown yet. It is difficult (laughs) with my schedule and the schedule that he that he operates on, but I know so. There's a bar flies in the chat that love the Cubbies. You do it. I do. You do it. uh, (laughs) <laughs> so I, I think it'd be nice for me to get on there a couple times and, uh, and talk. I, about I know that life a little bit. I'm in yeah. LA. You got your Lakers fans. Those are the White Sox fans. Like, look, you get it. You righteous assholes. But you know, it's the Yankees and the Mets. We need we need one of those people to to be a Clippers fan to be like, yo, look, I don't ride with with everybody's you know Me Too movement of oh everybody's a Lakers fan, everybody's a White Sox fan because they're successful. No, yeah. you ride with the Cubs, AC. That's right. Well, I mean, speaking of the Cubs, the Dodgers from your from your neck of the woods are in town today. I don't know if anybody likes baseball or if you like pitching. I think today is Clayton Kershaw going up against Stroman. It should be Stroman is leading the NL in ERA and Clayton Kershaw. He's Clayton Kershaw. You know what I'm saying? So it should be a hell of a matchup. I'll I'll be watching that later on. but yeah, it's was, it was great to have everybody in here. Everybody in the chat, Mr. Shorty, uh, Triple R, Homer Cuts coming in, Ravi, uh, Cornelius Squalls coming in with a bunch of stuff, man. Just everybody. y'all, y'all, y'all killed it today. Gave us all kinds of stuff to talk about, like, like from prospects to uh, Darnell Wright's got an awful lot of love in there. So I think there'll be a lot of Bears fans happy if. That- who we end up from coffee everything we talk about everything in this chat so uh if you're listening on podcast uh come into the chat sometime live and 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 we have a good a grand old time out here as they like to say around here in kentucky uh (laughs) we uh but but yeah man it was great
great to talk about talk with you guys. I know we're going really long, uh, longer than we usually do, but uh, I've loved the conversation. I've loved being able to chat about all these prospects, and it's definitely got me excited. Like the week of Christmas, uh, about to open these presents in a few days, uh, and um, we'll we'll just. I mean, after that, we'll just leave everybody with a, a, a bear down. Bear down, everybody. Bear down, man. Bear down, man.